Hello everybody and welcome to season 12 of Sequelizers, aka Requelizers. I am your host as always, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Jack must have been quite wealthy at one time. Mm. Apparently, he spent it all on his Roadcaster Pro. I mean, that's not inaccurate. That thing is expensive. One of the most expensive things we've ever bought. In in a single purchase, is one of the most expensive things I've ever bought. Bear in mind, it's sequelizers money, but still, and you have a house, and I have a house. Yeah, yeah, because I I didn't like. You know what I mean? That's not a single purchase in a way. That's an extended. Hello, hot takes credit <laughs> agreement thing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of podcasting equipment, it's Tim Matum. The Jackal is the Jack Chambers ward of ghosts. And if the Jackal is, and if the Jackal's out, screw the kid, we got to get out of this basement. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, that's, yeah. That could have been read so differently by court stenographer. <laughs> <laughs> screw the kid. <laughs> Jack's out of the basement. Philip Schofield. <laughs> Do I put allegedly on that? Uh, at this point, no, I don't think so. Let's leave that like that. We'll be fine. And this week, we are in fact talking about the Patreon vote. That's right, our patrons went to patreon.com slash sequelizers and they voted from a selection of movies and picked 13 Ghosts from 2001, a remake of the 1960 original, for us to fix this week and discuss. I'm intrigued to talk. I think I have a hot take that's not a hot take in classic Jack fashion. Yeah. We'll talk about the original, we'll talk about the remake, but I mentioned the patrons for a reason, because you, dear listeners, can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can get ad-free access, you can get early access, you can get exclusive merch, you can get bonus content, including about 43 minutes of rambling that we did as outtakes earlier on that is just Ooh. everything from superstitions to ghosts to where we were all born and everything in between. <laughs> It's warm. We went on a journey. Yeah, it's it's hot. It's summer here in Norwich, and aircon doesn't exist in the UK. So, yeah. And for recording, we turned the fan off. Yes. Yeah. We have to turn. We have to close the windows and turn the fan off because audio. So we we create a little sweat box here. Not quite as bad as when we did it on the hottest day on record. <sighs> At Was the time, three years ago, four years ago, must be four years ago. We were recording pandemic. The commentary for Greece two. Yes, that was the one. That was unbearable. Fucking unbearable. And the weather was bad as well. Hey! Sorry, I'm from Verbal Diorama. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I know M is also a patron of ours. Ah. So thank you for support, M. You can also go and get, as well as all the bonus content, we do movie commentaries as part of that bonus content throughout the season. There's a, one more left to do. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Coming up in a couple of... We've only got, you know, like six episodes left. <laughs> Because it's we're a long two season. Through now, yeah, we? we're just just over two thirds. We've got fifteen episodes this season. First time we're doing a fifteen episode season. If you are listening to this for the first time, usually we do twelve, but thanks to the lovely patrons, we're now doing fifteen, and we've got one more of the movie commentaries coming up. And oh boy, that film's a piece of shit, and I, <laughs> and I, don't, and I don't want to watch it. It's kind of our modus operandi. Yeah, I feel like it's not going to be as fun. As Tim cackling at the anti-gravity cow in Resident Evil, for example. Uh, I feel like that'd be some, there's some fun to have. Uh, sorry, it's one of the rare examples of all three of us have seen the film, right? That's true. Mm. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So it's not us going in completely blind. Just completely angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you can also get discounts on merch. You can get exclusive merch. And if you go to the £30 tier, you can get a shout out and become an executive producer like this. Lovely half dozen people have done. And I've done something a little bit different. You mentioned the roadcaster in the intro there, Matthew. I did. 
I've loaded the clips in this time. Jack has not shut up about this for so long now. He's Indeed. so excited about this. And I have no idea what it is, but he's so proud of himself. I have a quiz for you. Jesus. Ooh. We have 12 clips. We have 12 ghosts. Okay. Name the ghost in the scene in the clip and name the film that the scene is from. Okay. Do we need to buzz in? Uh, you can both answer. You can buzz in to go first, so you're not stealing each other's answers mm -hmm. and things like that. But uh, yeah, this Mount is usually outtake commentary. This is in, the, in, li listeners, you're getting a, a peek behind the curtains. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Matt, what's your buzzing noise? Ooh, that's vaguely ghosty. Yep, not really. Tim, how about you? Ooh, nice. We got ooh and a boo. Yeah, won't get confusing. Fantastic. Well, our first EP and our first clip. It's Oscar Sadler. I'll do anything. I'll do penance. Give me penance, but make that guy go away. No way. Ah! Ooh, Matthew. It's Oscar, isn't it? You just said the name already. Ah! Ah! Sorry, it's Oscar. Ghost. It's Ghost. It is Ghost. Page by Patrick Swayze playing the role of uh -huh. Sam uh -huh. Whitwicky. <laughs> <laughs> you are really close. I know, I know. It's not Whitwicky. I remember his surname. I can't remember it. Sam Wheat. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. Optimus! That's, that's one of the ones I had to look up. Uh, next up, we have Canis Rufus. It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? Boo. Oh. Go on, Tim. Uh, they are discussing Slimer. They are indeed. And the film is Ghostbusters. Excellent. Excellent mm -hmm. work, Tim. Next up, we have Colin Thompson. You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Ooh. Ooh. Matt, you were just there. Ah, uh, that's Captain Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, I'd like to correct Matt. Oh, it's, fuck you! Hector Barbosa! <laughs> Get <it>. on my <laughs> dick! I will see you in hell. <laughs> I have Hector Barbosa written on my spreadsheet. I was looking for first name and surnames. That's why oh, it's going to be tricky. Pedantic little... Penis. It's like something you would do, man. Uh, maybe it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, Who's next? well done. Uh, next up is Martin Calderwood. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Ooh. Ooh. Tim. You've made a very long buzzing noise. You're going, ooh. Oh, outrageous. Oh, outrageous. Tim. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Indeed. In Return of the Jedi. Correct. Correct. Disgusting. That's Star Wars episode. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, our fifth EP. It's Marcus Lindstrom. Learn to throw your voice, fool your friends, fun and party. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Tim. I believe that is... Can ask for the clip again. I like playing the clips. What the? F I I think Just... it is from the film Casper. Okay. And it is Fatso. You are incorrect, Tim. It's Beetlejuice. Oh. Beetlejuice. It is Beetlejuice. Oh, of course it Beetlejuice, is. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. No, I say three times. Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton appear in lawsuit. You. Indeed. And the last of our EPs, it's Joss Van der Sluis. Yes, Matthew. Name uh, the ghost. The grudge. <laughs> Correct. As in the American grudge? Uh, yes, that is the American grudge. Sandy McBandy. I don't fucking know. Uh, they still have a Japanese name. I've been doing that, God. It's because yeah. it's, it's Samara in the ring, American version, I think it is, and it's 
Sadako in the Japanese one. So I Correct. assume they did a, a, a version. I can't remember. Then I'm just going to say her name is Megumi. <laughs> Uh, Kayako Seiki. Fucking close. Yeah. Close. <laughs> and if you go to the top of the tiers, the highest of the tiers on patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can become a VIP. Not only do you get all the bonus and extra stuff from the previous, you also get your avatar. You get that as an EP as well. Don't worry. But you also get to pick a film for us to fix. We've had a few of the, the VIP selections already. We've still got, still got a few more coming up later on in the season as well. Mm. First up, we have... Josh Miles. I see dead people. Ooh, there's no ghost in this. In that scene, there is a ghost. Ah, the scene! That's what I said Not at the, the start. Not the clip, nope. eh? Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, Sixth Sense and Dr. Malcolm Ian Malcolm. Gladwell. <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm. Dr. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell. Is it Gladwell? No. no. Is it Gladwell? Are you sure? No. I'm sure. That's the author. I know, I know. <laughs> Ian Malcolm? What is his name? Uh, Malcolm Crow. Malcolm Dr. Malcolm X, indeed. <laughs> Malcolm Crow. Okay. Indeed. Next up we have Hyper Dude Man. Satana. Santa Michele Arcangeli. Defende Nosem Praelio. Mm. Any ideas? A lot of exorcism films it could be. I can't yeah. remember which one it is. It is indeed. Not Heath Ledger. Is it happened. Soul Eater? Um, Sin Eater. Sour Sin is, yes. Soul Eater is the video game. It is. I feel I had two or three titles in different countries. But I think it did, I think yeah. Soul Eater was one of them. right, sorry. Uh, let's say it's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Incorrect. Well, then, fuck it. Tim, any ideas? Can I hear the clip again, please? You may hear the clip again. Satana. Santa Michele Arcangeli. Defende nosem praelio. Gotta love fucking Latin with an American accent. Yeah, it's yeah. weird hearing that. It sounds... Sopranio, bro. It almost sounds like... Keanu Reeves and Constantine, but that doesn't have any ghosts in. Uh, mm. I don't know. Uh, that is Patrick Wilson in The Conjuring. Oh, oh the Conjuring. And the name sake. of the ghost is Bathsheba. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Indeed. Uh, next up, we have James McDowell. No charge? Your money's no good here. Ooh. Ooh. Matthew. I have a shining. Correct. And what I've oh god what the name of the, the name of the character has gone out of my goddamn head. That's really he has a name. He has a he actually name. has a name. Yeah, yeah it's going to really irritate me. Floyd. Oh, close. Lloyd. But no, it's it's Lloyd. But there's no surname, is there? Lloyd the bartender is the okay, he's okay. he's credited as Lloyd the bartender. Okay, yes. okay. Lloyd. Yeah, like my balls. Because uh, Jack calls him Lloyd. A yeah, couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, we have Jonathan Firth Clark. Sorry. Yes. I don't believe in fairy tales. Ooh. Yes, Matthew. Freddy Krueger. Okay. I'm, I'm neither confirming nor denying. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, fucking one. Tim, any ideas? Can I hear the clip again? You may. Let me make sure I play the right one. <laughs> Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. Oh, maybe it's not actually. I'm going to guess Fatso in Casper. <laughs> I know Casper inside out. And I, every time you guess that, I'm like, I get it, but no. Uh, that is Freddy Krueger. Yeah. For from Dream Warriors. Oh, damn it, damn it. Damn when, it. You were, when you were hesitating over which one to say, my brain just went Dream Warriors. Yeah. A film I've never seen. <laughs> but the title's with you, so yeah, you've like, yeah. got the kid up by the, yeah. the claws. Mm, piss balls. Indeed. Uh, 
No, no. Dream Warriors, Matt. Oh, sorry. No. Piss Balls is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Indeed. <laughs> I thought it was a Friday 13th franchise. <laughs> Freddy, Freddy Goes to Hell. Piss if balls. there's no Casper here, you're going to get a frown for both Tim and me, by the way. Fair enough. Uh, next up, we have the penultimate VIP, Philip Morgan. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I think that's I the hardest Toby one. I took you. Again, yeah. yeah. It's the hardest one by far. Poltergeist? Oh, woo! Poltergeist? Not Poltergeist. Okay. You didn't buzz in, but I was doesn't matter. Woo! We're not doing points. Yeah, matter. fucking good. Um, no, I got, I got no idea. You mentioned it earlier, Matt. That's the ring. Oh. She teleports across the room. Oh, right, right, That, right. that is the... Te- I'll play it again. Like, oh, the phone rings, the guy's in the office, and then yeah. she goes... Right, right, falls right, over right, like right. a big like yeah yeah shelving unit basically. and there was a hint in the thing itself because it's a telephone ringing there you go that, uh, that's, that's why I that's put that giving in jack far too much i think okay. i did that on purpose <laughs> you cheeky fuck giving him too much credit <laughs> and last but certainly not least it is Stuart main and the 12th and final clip pleasure to meet you sir boo Go on, Tim. Casper and Casper. Hey! Yeah, I didn't say shit. So let's let this happen. There was indeed Casper. Right at the Imagine end. Imagine if I said fat, so. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Jack. 12 ghosts for the 13 ghosts episode. Makes sense. Because, spoiler alert for the 2001 version, there are only 12 ghosts that is true. in a film called 13 Ghosts that literally has the number in the title. Listen, as the person who is fixing this. Oh, yes. Coming up with 13 ghosts is hard. <laughs> I, okay, let, straight into it. I think the biggest problem with this film is it's called 13 Ghosts. <laughs> Both the original and this one because you set yourself up too much. But if you say five ghosts, no one wants to watch that film. Yeah. 10 ghosts, nobody cares. 20 ghosts, too many ghosts. Yeah. Um, 13's the perfect number of ghosts, but then you have to write a fucking story with a 13 unique individual ghosts. Yeah. And the first film, falls at the first fucking hurdle. The second film spends so long focusing on that that it puts it all on the DVD and not enough yes. of it in the film. See you next week, everybody. It's insane. <laughs> the, the DVD extras having a fully narrated backstory for each I of love the ghosts. That shit. It is the best thing in either of these you, movies. You can, I agree. You it's see it on YouTube. mad. Go and watch it on YouTube. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go and check that out. Yeah. It is Way more interesting than either of these movies. And I, I hinted at my hot take that's not a hot take earlier. Yep. I prefer the remake. Oh, I didn't think that'd be your hot take at all. I, I think quite a lot of people do. I thought your, your, your one was going to be, I masturbate to the lion in the first film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, the trailer for Craven just came out. So Jack yeah. was like, oh my God, lion blood. <laughs> yeah. I just, just need that in my life. Um, I mean, the, 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 they are both... Crap. Incredibly of their time. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. And, so and obviously, tastes and cinematic language and all that kind of stuff yes. has shifted considerably more from 1960 than it has from 2001. Yes. I think neither of age, you are correct, neither have aged well at all. Mm. 2001's 13 Ghosts is incredibly 2001. Mm. Yep. And the 60s version feels very much a product of the 60s. The 60s one the si- is... The 60s version feels like a product of the 50s. Because it comes out in 1960, and correct. as we said, yes, yes. decades of bullshit, and it feels like a 50s the, film. The, the 100%. Of the 50s and a carnival more than a fucking film. Yes. Because yes. 
for those of you who don't know, obviously this won't necessarily come within the synopsis, so this is like requ- required for... It's all about gimmicks and stuff, basically. The whole point is you would have 3D glasses on, so the traditional blue and red version of 3D glasses, and the ghosts appear in red, literally going from black and white to color film moment, and you see the ghosts with your glasses on Yes, in in the cinema. Rather than traditional glasses, you have like a a full band of blue and then a full band of red below it. Yeah, weird. Um, And the screen, when the ghosts for the particular sequences that Jack's talking about, the screen goes fully blue and then the ghosts are highlighted in red. Are in red. Yeah. Which, if you look at it through the red lens, I think I'm getting this the right way around. It filters out the red. Yeah. Uh, so you can't see them, and if you look at it through the blue lens, it makes them stand out really in like three in kind in of three D, almost three yeah. D. Yeah. It's but a not semi-novel quite. thing that you shouldn't do because it means it cannot be replicated in for every version that has yes, it just it's it, just murky nonsense. I, I watched this on my TV at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, in a non three D capacity. Yeah, and without your ghost viewer, indeed, without my ghost viewer, and it does not work. It yeah. fundamentally does yeah. not work. Well, we we should we should talk that the the original thirteen ghosts was yeah. by was produced, written and directed by Correct. I think so, yeah. uh, William Castle, indeed, who we've talked about previously in the gimmicks episode that we mm-hmm. did. Makes mm-hmm. sense um, because he is a notorious gimmick filmmaker, king of the gimm- gimmicks, king of the gimmicks. Much. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had one where a skeleton would shoot out over the audience on like hanging from a rope. He had one where I think you got electrified in your seat, and it's not as dramatic as it sounds. No, 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 like Joy Buzzer electrocuted, not not actually <laughs> death electrocuted. Yeah. Um, Sexual awakening of the fifties. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he was he was like Matt says, basically a a carnival guy who ended up in movies. Yeah, I don't know if that's his history, but he he certainly he, he, he has reputation the, for he, it. He has the the spirit of a carnival guy, even if he didn't actually work in any carnivals. It was using the medium with the tricks that weren't being yeah. used by other people. And it was emulated by other people and emulated around the world in different ways, but yeah. it was very much his shtick as far as the industry yes. is concerned. Yeah. And made a lot of very cheap, schlocky horror films in the 50s and 60s. And this yeah. was one of the examples of them. Perhaps one of his best known ones, I would say. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. And ha- he did uh, House on Haunted Hill, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Yeah. 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 He- he's the primary example of like, let's come up with the gimmick first and film- figure out the film second. Yes. Although they did film the original. F- okay, so we're getting Very much stops. the Tom Cruise of his day. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something that's nearly going to kill me and then we'll figure out a plot around it. Um, they filmed the original. It just looks like a nice house. It's not, it's the Winchester house, isn't it? It's the, um, uh, for those who don't know, there's a film with Helen, Mir- Helen Mirren about it. It ain't good. Don't watch it. But I believe it's a, a notoriously haunted location where they shot it, at the exteriors at least. Um, and kind of, oh God, this is a sequelizer's callback, kind of like Spy Kids 3D. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, the gimmick is really in the film. It's injected into it, so it's like the part of the narrative. As in the family are wearing similar-ish viewers where the family don't see the ghosts unless they put the special goggles on. So there's that element of, oh, well, I'm also seeing what they're seeing and whatever, some bollocks. 
I think the only thing of actual note about the film now, other than the fact that it's, you know, 13 ghosts spawned a thing and Castle was known for his gimmicks and stuff and there's some shit. Not 3D, just a... a that's the key thing. It's not just 3D. It's a unique way of watching the film that yeah. just doesn't translate to other ways, other mediums. Uh, and is not very good at being historically preserved in the slightest. Mm. Yep. The only thing real note is Margaret Hamilton's in it, mm. who played the Wicked Witch of the... Wicked Witch of the East, bro. She was a witch. Her sister. No, no, no. Uh, it's the it's the West, right? Yes, the East is the one under the house. Correct. Yeah, yeah, her and she. I they say she's the wouldn't say star quality because at the end of the day, while she's a very good actor, recognizable face. That's exactly it. And I think the industry was shitting on her anyway. So you know, what fascinates me is the lack of acting in the 1960s <laughs> When the ghosts appear, people just look at them for a bit. You stay still. And then nothing happens. Because the and effect has to work. Yes. You don't, yes, you don't react to it. And also, once the ghosts have gone, you're just like, oh, that was strange. Well, ghosts are here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Later. yeah. There's no, it's, it's the lack of urgency in the film is fascinating. Yeah. Um, there's one moment where there's the creepy mummy in the bedroom. Mummy's the wrong word, but you know, the undead corpse mm. in the girl's room. And that's weird because then it's like, wait, wait, wait. That's not a little red blue effect. Yeah. What's this bit? I don't understand. Mm. And to be with the bed at the end crushes the dude and you're like, wait, wait. And you can see that because you can see on the terrible transfers, there's a supposed to be ghost stuff happening. Yes. But it's like, mm. Yeah, I don't really go. I don't see yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. It's a really, it, and it, we talk about this about accessibility, right? Sometimes the acting quality of the oh hi there friend how you do oh hi why do you see what you do it's like what the fuck is this mm. it becomes alien to us it's very hard to get on with and black and white can be quite alienating for a lot of young viewers mm. or people who aren't initiated to black and white cinema uh, in the same way that language in international movies and so on and so forth mm. and music can put you off a lot you have all of that shit going on this film and it is actively and semi aggressively not designed to be preserved mm. in this particular form. And shown to us. So while we say like, oh, you know what? You haven't seen this movie from 1961. Or like, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, for example. Mm. But you know what? You can check it out. It still works. It's supposed mm. to be in 3D, but it, it works rather well. You can enjoy mm. it. This is like, yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to check it out, great. But there's so little going on and it doesn't really work. You sort of squint and go, oh, yeah, I can see the lion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just going to look at it. Yep. He's going yeah. upstairs. Okay, fine. Yeah, I find that fascinating how the glasses gimmick they took through to the 2001 version that it's just the characters that have the glasses on. Yeah. It's like, I get it. Like, I'd almost prefer that to them trying to do a weird 2001 3D because that could go horribly wrong because 3D was shit back then. Well, the CGI was bad enough. CGI is terrible in that film as well. But it's, it's a really weird thing because the original basically has no origin story, no backstory, no, like, nar- barely any narrative. And then, as we just mentioned with the remake, that has a bunch of plot nonsense. And then all of the backstory and actual interesting things, the most interesting things about the ghosts, which are the most interesting thing about that movie, is all in the DVD extras and stuff. So there's a bunch of bollocks going on. There's a lot of plot, but you don't know any characters. To me, the 2001 version is kind of a combination between like, oh, this would be a really good like pilot episode for a TV show meets like an RPG manual. Yeah. Because Ooh. there's a lot of like interesting, oh, like 
oh, this guy's a ghost. This is hunt- this is a one shot in a trap house. Kind yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, this this person's like a ghost hunter, and then yep. these people are ghost liberators, and like, there's all this stuff about like, oh, you know, uh, spells uh, are really effect- like have an effect on ghosts, yep. and you can enchant in- in- uh, etch them into glass and stuff like that, and all this. There's like a lot of interesting world building, which then extends to the ghosts and a big and gyroscopic ghost magnet. Exactly thing. Um, that's like Event Horizon, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but there's it's just it's mostly kind of superfluous. Yep. Um, and it feels unnecessary to what is quite a straightforward film. I ultimately agree, Tim. I think you're abs- I think that's actually nail on the head. To me, I think it's a, and bear with me, a post-Buffy, post-Blair Witch film. 100%. Where, but, in that it came after both of them. But what <laughs> I mean there is, Buffy had been a very popular thing on TV, and at the time was still going on television. Yep. It was, yep. I think Angel at this point was still going, if not, it only just started up. Um, and very much had the whole idea of like, yeah, the occult, Charmed was going on that sort of thing. Hmm. They're like, magic and spells and things, that's just a normal thing, we have to explain it too much. We'd expect it at this point. You know, in the same book with science fiction where you'd stop saying electromagnetic pulse. It does this yeah. to just EMP and everyone yeah, understand what yeah. you're talking about. Um, and subsequently, the Blair Witch thing being the idea of the glasses and the way that the camera sees it and how, the way that it's shown to the audience is the same thing as holding up a video camera and you can only see the ghost through the video camera. Or there's tons of video game examples where you can do that, where it's like, you have to, I mean, a, a terrible fucking example, but fuck it. It's, it's a mainstream applicable example. Five Nights at Freddy's for a Matthew Lillard connection. Because um, he's in the film version that's coming up. Because you have to look at the camera, then look at that camera, look over there, look over there. And that's the fear aspect. That's the thing like, in order to see it, you have to look through this lens. And you could do a thing, as you say, about trying to, the audience see it when you do a certain thing, but seeing the characters not being able to see the danger, but it's still there, and then you put the glasses on, it's like, oh, fuck, it's in my... That's much more engaging than I'm going down to the basement to look at this lion for a while. Yep, okay, go back upstairs now. Um, and just the, the, the expansion of the world building and the mysticism and stuff, it doesn't feel like it's doing as much explaining because the heavy lifting's been done by pop culture of the time. Hence why we have very, very 2001, as, as Jack said. And subsequently, because it's got infinitely more actual story and engaging plot, as much as Tim has said, a generic one, it's a better film. Now, is it a good film? Fuck no. Because I remember having the... Oh, well, I still have the DVD. Um, and it was a classic age of like, DVD, put on a load of extras. And Jack is absolutely right. The things they made explaining what all the ghosts are, their entire backstory. You... I can't remember what one of them is called, but it's a dude who was a feral individual who was very violent towards humans. They put a cage on his head. That's the jackal. That's the jackal. That's the jackal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, yeah. The, the one that does all the scratches. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was a woman. Same. Mm. Yeah. It's not. It's a dude. Not that that necessarily matters, but it's because you get so little definition and explanation of what's going on, and the makeup's so extreme, and it's weird how a lot of it works in those moments, and they put so much time and design and effort and thought, like the fucking notebooks in seven levels of fucking thought, mm, yeah, and how little of that translates on screen because you've got to take time with Tony Shalhoub's sad fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I get it, but I don't care about that. And they got, what else we got? 
Matthew Lillard screaming. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I love Matthew Lillard. Oh, I do too. But I'm he's like doing his damnedest. He's doing yeah. his D and D shit now. Like, go, yeah. You, you do you, Matthew. I'm not Lillard. shaming him. I'm just saying it's yeah. great. It's a contrast. Great Shaggy. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Should we dive into some synopses for those who are not familiar with one three ghosts, thirteen ghosts, and. Thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts. I'd say a different time, but we're still doing it now. Yeah. So, 1960s Thirteen Ghosts. At the start of the film, William Castle appears, advising the audience on how to use the Illusion O Ghost Viewer uh, that they have been provided with. Specifically, viewers who believe in ghosts should look through the red lens when the screen turns blue while viewers who don't should look through the blue lens. I'm going to say something right fucking now. <laughs> I'm a gamer. I play video games. <laughs> I like a tutorial. I like a manual. I like a guide. I'm also a filmmaker and a film viewer. I don't, to, to misquote Aquity and Hunger Force, I don't need no instructions <laughs> to know how to rock. So basically with the film, it's like, this is how you watch the movie. Do this. I'm like, fuck you, you fucking bum chin fuck. That was a bit aggressive. Um, was, yeah. I get the whole point if you need to do that and that's the whole established mm. thing but I'm like if you're having to explain this this many times it doesn't work yeah there are better ways to integrate it into the narrative if you're gonna have to have that device like you have yeah. characters work out how it works and then the Spike audience 3D. yeah anyway <clears throat> the film begins with or begins again the, sec- the actual film begins the narrative begins with Cyrus Zorba totally normal name, receiving a call from his wife, Hilda, informing him that their furniture has been reclaimed by the rental firm, leaving their house bare. The next day, Cyrus is asked to meet with a lawyer named Benjamin Rush. There's a joke here where the wife is like, you haven't done anything illegal, have you? Um, And they share a knowing glance that I feel is definitely a butt stuff joke. (laughs) Yeah, Being in the 50s might just be communism. (laughs) Uh, Rush explains that, the, uh, that Cyrus's uncle, Dr. Plato Zorba, has passed away and left Cyrus his fully furnished house. Plato Zorba. Well, what someone a thought name. Zorba the Greek. What other Greeks do we know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Plato. Yeah. Uh, but Benjamin, uh, so he's left him his fully furnished house, but Benjamin also warned Cyrus that Plato was an eccentric ghost hunter who claimed to have collected spirits from around the world. Cool, free house. Cyrus quickly moves into the property with Hilda, his teenage daughter Medea, and his young son Buck. I love that Medea is like, oh, okay, well, we've got another, yeah. like, you know, reference to, to Greek mm. mythology and plays. And Buck! <laughs> Buck, who gets top billing in this film. He certainly does. Yeah, because no, no, no. Uh, Charles Herbert, who played him, was like a much beloved child actor of yeah. the time that, that William Castle had to say, I'll give you top billing if you'll be in my film. Margaret Hamilton, you can, you can wait. You can fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the mansion also comes with a housekeeper, Elaine, aka Margaret Hamilton, uh, who Buck insists is a witch. Ha ha. Quickly, the, the fa- wicked witch of the East, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, the family begins to encounter signs of spiritual activity in the house. They use a Ouija board to find, uh, uh, that they find in the house to communicate with the spirits, and it warns them that a death will occur soon. However, they are informed by Benjamin that the will states the family must remain in the house and cannot sell it or it will be turned over to the state. Fucking old people leaving people houses, man. Yeah. It's classic. It's classic haunted house. Like, 
You must spend one night in this haunted yeah, house yeah. in order to earn your inheritance. I, I, fa- I, I didn't research. I wonder where this comes in the history of that trope. Mm. Like whether this was one of the foundations of it or whether it was already hackneyed oh, I, by I remember this from point. the fucking 30s. Yeah. I, think it's been, I think it was in fucking Abbott and Costello yeah. scenarios. So, it's, yeah. it's, it's ham to the fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, William Castle, a hack. <laughs> uh, I think he'd be okay with that. Benjamin grows closer to Medea, taking her out for dinner. He also reveals that Plato liquidated all his assets into cash shortly before he died and supposedly stashed the fortune somewhere inside the house, but he hasn't been able to find it. The plot of Casper. The family continues to encounter spirits, including a wailing lady, clutching hands, a fiery skeleton, an Italian chef who repeatedly murders his wife and her lover, and an executioner holding a severed head. They also find special goggles invented by Plato that enable the user to see ghosts, and Cyrus discovers a device fitted to one of the beds that lowers the canopy trapping the sleeper inside. Real fucking slow. Yep. Real slow. Making use of the goggles, Buck meets a ghostly lion and its headless tamer in the basement. Just chills with them. Yep. That Let- counts as two, everybody. That's two. That's two ghosts. Later, when he slides down the stairs on the banister, $200 bills fall loose from a secret compartment. Buck shows them to Benjamin, who tells Buck to keep them secret and that together they will search for Plato's fortune. Cyrus convinces Elaine, the housekeeper, who was privy to Plato's secrets, to hold a seance to try and placate the ghosts. As this happens, Buck and Benjamin discover the secret compartment in the stairs, and Benjamin tells Buck to go to sleep while he gathers the money, supposedly to share it with the family. Mm. His go-to-sleep monologue is really creepy. It is. I mean, it's creepy because it's the the 50s, late 50s, late 60s, but it's full like, Hey, champ, don't you want to go to bed? I'm not tired! But you're gonna be so tired when I wake you up first thing in the morning. It's like, <laughs> this is this is so worrying. Yeah, for a contemporary lens, I'm so worried about that kid. But he's also like the the probably the problematic star of the shoot who's drunk or something for all I fucking know. <laughs> knowing the fucking fifties. Yeah. Once Buck has fallen asleep, Ben moves him to the room with the suffocating canopy and activates it. However, so slowly. Yeah. During the séance, the ghost of Plato possesses Cyrus then manifests near Benjamin, driving him under the canopy as Buck awakens and escapes. Ben suffocates, and the family discover the recovered fortune, deciding to stay in the house. Never going, what are we going to do with all these corpses? Nope. Or this corpse, I suppose. Elaine tells the family the ghosts have now left, but when asked privately by Buck, she predicts they will return. As the film ends, William Castle appears once more and asks those in the audience who still don't believe in ghosts to take their ghost viewer home and look at their own bedrooms through the red lens during the dead of night. I kind of like that. That's stupid. That's good. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's stupid. That's good. That's the carnival aspect. That's oh, the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, Take yeah. the souvenir home, because you can only get it here. And then you say, what are you doing? Oh, I got this thing in the cinema. You did? But it's another theatre. Like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to see it. The no castle pitch. Oh, really? Yeah, you, gotta, you can't use mine. Why? Because I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, it's that, like... You have to see it to believe it, but also mm. then go into the world with your stupid fucking goggles. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad, I'm sorry, not glad. I'm impressed, Tim, that you managed to squeeze something that sounded like a story out of that. Because <laughs> it ain't. Uh, Agreed, yeah. On to the 13 Ghosts. 
2001. Yay. Had the misfortune to come out about a month after 9-11. Didn't it just? Oh, God, it did. Yes, it did. Oh. Not that it's at all related to that, but, you know, people were in a weird yeah, mindset People didn't want to go see a horror film. A guy mourning his dead wife. Yeah. Oh, God. I completely forgot about that. Thank you, Tim. Not 9-11, obviously. <laughs> Never forget. No. Ghost hunter Cyrus Kritikos and his psychic assistant, Dennis Rafkin, lead a team on a mission to capture a dangerous spirit in a junkyard. As they attempt to lure the ghost to them, they are interrupted by Kalina and Damon, two spirit liberators who accuse Cyrus of enslaving ghosts for his own ends. The ghost <sighs> tears spirit through... Spirit liberators. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ghost tears through Cyrus's team, but is finally trapped in a specifically designed cell. However, Damon and Cyrus are both killed. Cy I, I already, as an opening, I mean, it's also kind of fucking Jurassic Park, but it's it is yeah. it's engaging. Yeah, and I'm already hooked on. It's it explains quite a bit, mm. but it's not good. Do you know the names of all... Actually, I mean, you know all the names of the ghosts, Tim, because... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to name all 13, but I know... Fucking I know this stupid. is the, uh, the juggernaut. This is the juggernaut, bitch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, A.K.A. The Breaker, which is what he's nicknamed initially, but the, the actual... The names of the ghosts, as they come in, like, the DVD special features, mm -hmm. come from the Black Zodiac. <laughs> oh, yep. Um, we'll, we'll get to We'll get there. Uh, I've got them in front of me. <laughs> uh, Cyrus's nephew Arthur, a widower and maths teacher, is informed by his uncle's death uh, of his uncle's death by uh, lawyer Benjamin Moss, who also reveals Cyrus has left his mansion to Arthur. I feel like Tony Shalhoub in this role feels like he's just an extension of what he did on Galaxy Quest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what you what well, he's stoned the entire time. Kind of. Mm. Uh, that's not saying he's not doing a good performance. That's not saying he's not like uh, acting. I'm just saying that he just seems very morose. And, and that's the point because he's mourning. Mm. But he's just kind of like just there drifting through the set. And I'm like, yeah. He feels like weird casting. Um, yeah. And it feels like maybe like a, it almost feels like a holdover from Jurassic Park of yeah. like, oh, let's get like a, almost like a, um, you know, we had uh, what, Vince Vaughn and Richard Schiff. <laughs> That's our Matthew Lillard and Tony Shalhoub. We had we had a we had Jeff Goldblum being like a weirdo, uh -huh. you know, professor. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's let's get another like eccentric science character, pseudo actor. science person. Yeah, yes. doesn't yeah. really work. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so uh, struggling financially after his wife's death in a house fire, Arthur decides to move into the house with his teenage daughter Kathy, young son Bobby, and their ma uh, nanny Maggie. Struggling financially, can still afford a nanny. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the early 2000s, I guess. Yeah, I've got nine houses. Pre-financial crisis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Benjamin accompanies the family to the mansion, which was custom-built by Cyrus and is primarily made of glass sheets inscribed with Latin phrases. The, so, I think both of us are the exact same thing We're going to pause here Yeah, because the set design and the, the practical effects and the mm. actual, like, yeah, layout of the house yeah. and how it all legit moves and stuff. Mm. It's really fucking cool. Yes. The it's production a, design in this is great. Amazing. You you perfectly summed it up there, Tim. It feels like it should be in an RPG. It feels like I don't know if you guys played Dishonored 2. There's that level yes. of the, the clockwork yes. mansion yeah. where 
as you unlock stuff, walls move, and then, oh, there's enemies in that room, and mm-hmm. you can't access that room until you mm-hmm. hit that thing, and the whole thing shifts. It's an incredible, like... It's a lament configuration. It's a lament configuration, because I know what that is. <laughs> and it's this incredible kind of testament to level design and all this kind of stuff in Dishonored 2. I got similar vibes from this, where it's like, somebody, like, the, the team who did this really put their heart and soul into this. Yeah. Uh, shame about the rest of the film. This, there are some brilliant, yeah. like, visual moments and the way everything moves and shifts about and some, some deaths we'll get to. Like one in particular, really cool, really well designed. And I think, yeah, yeah, easily, easily the highlight of this film. I would agree. This is where it becomes difficult as a critic to rate movies. And I bring this up quite a lot where I will... I mean, you guys know, and I mentioned the show before, when I'm reviewing a movie, I'd never get anything lower than a one because you finished the film. Yeah. Um, and there are times he's like, how did you give this thing a three and not a two? I'm like, did you see what went into making this yeah. fucking movie physically mm. being built? There are artists who are crafting amazing things. Yeah. yeah. But the story shit is like, some yeah. of people had to etch Latin into glass for right? this yeah. film. Right? <laughs> lots and lots of times. Like, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you can, uh, it's almost like the, not quite to the same scale, but like the film Cube, yes, where they yes. just had one set that they could reuse because yeah. of, you know, how it did. Like, you can reuse panels for different sets, but like, that's still a lot of glass. But there's, yeah. a, spoiler, there's also a lot of breaking glass later yeah. on, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit. So you've, some poor special effects person and set designer has just been like... I spent 15 hours carving Latin into that glass and yeah. that big clumsy fucking stunt actor just smashed his way through it <laughs> and we didn't even get the fucking take. Yeah. Right. I guess I'll go and get three other panes yep. with 15,000 yeah. words of Latin on them, shall I? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's uh, a testament to the crew who build things so quickly and true of a lot of filmmaking. It's like, ah, oh, CGI can do everything. And as we know with this one, see, the CGI is, I, is terrible. Some of it is okay. Some of the background elements you wouldn't think about. Some of the house shifting, for example, mm. uh, and a head removal. Mm. That's pretty good CGI. Mm-hmm. But most of the CGI is dog shit. Yes. Mm. Um, but no, just wanted to, yeah, Jack and I wanted to pause there because I mean, it's, it's worth mentioning. It's not, it is bad. Not the worst we've seen. On it's, it's certainly not the worst we've seen. And it is about average for the time. That's oh, true. Sure, That's yeah, true. Yeah. You know, there are worse effects in 2001 for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, carry on, Tim. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's that 2001 CGI, so. You, you kind of look at it and go, yeah, obviously. But the back of the time, it was like, wow, God, CGI can do anything. <laughs> uh, so, let me find my place. Uh, so, yeah. Dennis, uh, the psychic from earlier, posing as an electrician, joins the family as they enter the house and marvel at the unique design and belongings inside. As Arthur signs the paperwork to officially claim the house, Dennis, who has investigated the mansion's basement and discovered it contains numerous ghosts, reveals his true identity and attempts to get the family to leave. While Dennis and Arthur talk, Benjamin enters the basement to retrieve a bag of money, but unwittingly triggers a mechanism that seals the house and releases the ghosts. Dun, dun, dun. My God. Which is either that was planned very carefully or it's a plot hole for later. Yes. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, he is quickly killed when he backs into a set of sliding doors that cut him in half. Cool as fuck. <laughs> this is the coolest kill slash death 
in the I mean, the there's not movie. a lot of deaths in this. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's the era... We mentioned like the CGI stuff, right, obviously, and we did the whole, like, oh, it's all very new. But when one person starts doing something in a film, you see them everywhere. And it's the key example of Resident Evil comes out a year later. Mm. And it's the idea of, can we have, like, some sort of human cross-section kind of stuff? It's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What can we do that's going to encourage this kind of effect or yeah. this kind of idea of an effect? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a glass door closing on a mm. lawyer, I guess. Yeah. Just chopping them in half. I love Fuck, when films are like fucking he... lawyers. Like, we have a, always have dealing with lawyers and care about that. That's a film in joke. I always think it's, it's really yeah. stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's a rich American thing, right? That's I mean, true. Uh, yes, as he backs away from a naked lady ghost. Yeah. Which, mm. The longest uh, makeup application, apparently, of all the different I mean, that types. makes sense because you see the most body. of her. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very egregious. It's a very, like, case of, yeah. like... It's like, well, we have a backstory. Nah, nah. You, wanted you just wanted tits. You wanted some weird tits. Yep. As the house begins to shift and close up, Arthur and Dennis attempt to find the children and Maggie who have been exploring the house. The various parties find several pairs of spectral glasses that enable the wearer to see the ghosts, and Bobby encounters a number of the spirits before being knocked unconscious and dragged away. Kathy and Arthur, having found each other again are attacked by the Jackal, one of the most dangerous ghosts, but are saved by Kalina, who has entered the house to try and free the ghosts. She's another spirit liberator She's, type. she's yeah. the, spirit, one of the, the, the surviving spirit liberator yeah. in the opening of the film. Mm. A short while later, Kathy disappears, just from kind of under everyone's nose, like she's off to the side and then they turn around and they're like, where's she gone? Mm. Hmm. The four adults gather in the library, where Arthur learns that his wife's ghost is a ghost. His the four adults gather in the library, where Arthur learns that his wife's ghost is among the spirits trapped in the house. Very tragic. Welcome to the plot, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We Kal never matter. Kalina explains the entire mansion is a machine powered by the captive ghosts that will enable the user to see the past, present, and future once it is fully activated. I still don't know to what end. Yes. They leave that a little bit ambiguous. It's like, I mean, yeah. what's the... I get it. Why? Why do you want to listen yeah. to... Because you're the past, present, and future. To do what? Stuff, you know. Yeah, you know, they things. They also... Um, they give it the... A um, lot of Latin in this, because I kind of mm. teased that with the... Uh, uh, conjuring bit earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Ocularis Infernum. Yes, it's like the a, Eye of Hell. The Eye of Hell. Yes, Harry it was desi Potter. designed in the 13th century by, by an astronomer. A, an astronomer like, who got possessed by a demon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit one of those weird things Dan Aykroyd comes up with, and you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. And then it appears in a, in a fucking National Treasure movie. You're yes. Like, oh, okay. And then he makes a bottle of vodka. <laughs> uh, the only way to shut it down is through the creation of a 13th ghost. What? Hey, that's the name of the film. Oh. Almost. Mm. Uh, one born of a sacrifice for love. And Arthur realises oh, that he must become that ghost <gasps> to save his children. All right. Yep. Because the, 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 this is where they talk about the, the, is it the black zodiac or the dark zodiac or yep. something? Yep. Um, and, and the ghosts are all like specific archetype kind of things. And yes. Yeah, that's the idea. Uh, we have... Uh, let's go through them all now, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, we have it. <clears throat> the do, it first... do it in the voice. The, the voice? Yeah, the guy impersonates F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The firstborn son. There it is, that's all, yeah. That's the, the uh, 
That's the young child. That's Billy the kid. Who's, yeah, yeah, who's dressed as a cowboy and he's got an arrow through his head. Literally Which I Billy. feel is meant to be an homage to the original. Somehow. It, it is, yeah. Just because it's a kid from the Literally called Billy the kid as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the gambler slash the torso. Mm. I can't remember that one. He's the saran wrap one with no head. Oh, Co- yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Indeed. at the same time, that's a cool effect because they had a um, amputee or paraplegic uh, individual mm. who uh, they put like a black... That's a very bad. Put a black bag over the head. But they put a mark so they can make the CGI ah, right, for the yeah. neckline. Yeah, yeah. But the rest is just literally puppetry performance, as it were, in mm. the sense that it's like a head on the floor. It's a really cool performance mm. that you see very little of. Yeah. Uh, the Bound Woman, which is the one with the like belts across That's the That's the Japanese not sex stuff. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That one, Matthew. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Withered Lover, which is Arthur's wife. Yes. Jean. Uh, the Torn Prince. Who was the torn prince? Who was the torn prince? Uh, is the baseball player? Oh, with the, the like, baseball oh, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> People who haven't seen the film. It's not gonna be anything. There's a wiki page. Go and Google it. Yeah. And again, the film doesn't fucking give enough explanation of what they are. It sort of alludes to a lot of them. Mm. But yeah, sorry. Uh, the pilgrimess, which is the woman with in the cage who had been accused by the, yes. the, the priests and all that kind yeah, of stuff. She's oh, like yeah. a, she's an accused witch, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they tried to burn her. Uh, sorry. This isn't in the film. Uh, they tried to burn her and she survived, so they killed her. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the big baby, known as the great child. Yes. That, and this uh, is for fucking something mother. Uh, yes. Great child and the dire mother. Yes. Yeah. So she's a little person and she had a very fat, spoiled child, if yes. I'm correctly. Yeah. And they, and they both went to horrible experiences. She, Literal she, carnival workers. Like yeah. she got killed and then the, the baby went mad and killed a bunch of people. Yes, and the baby was born of the carnival owner raping her. It's like quite yeah. traumatic, horrible stuff. It's actually a better movie, but anyway. The Hammer. Uh, dude with the hammer for a hand. That's the dude with the hammer for a hand who was like a... Covered in nails he and was, stuff. Yeah, he was a guy who was like Real? lynched and yes. had like railway spikes. He was a blacksmith. Him. Yes. Yes. The Jackal. The one we mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. The head in a cage that's a feral mm. boy. It's Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yep. <laughs> yeah, and Breaker slash the Juggernaut, which mm. is the very tall bloke who yes. smashes stuff. And we'll yep. get onto my second favorite death later on, <laughs> featuring. Uh, we skipped Jog- over the the we're missing one, yeah, the, yeah, the uh, adult over. film actress. Oh the, the yeah, yeah, the prom, yeah, yeah, the, the prom star. Uh, is where the, is the she? Princesses. The angry princess. Angry princess. Yes, yes, yes. yes. She just be, basically is a woman who is incredibly beautiful, but became obsessed with surgery. Mm. It's like thank you, Seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yep. she cut herself. Mm. Yeah. Like, all right. Yep. My uh, tastefulness skipped that one. <laughs> We're not here for your tastefulness. Yep. Arthur and Dennis venture back into the basement to try and find the children. But Dennis is beaten to death by two other dangerous ghosts, the hammer and the ghost from the opening scene, now called the juggernaut. Two he, big fuckers. He snaps his spine in half. On a like a metal corner post of yeah. one of the one of the glass panes. Ridiculous. It looks really kind of <laughs> great. Yeah. Bane did. Bo- yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. bollocks, but it's kind of great. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what to break first. <laughs> we the learn- glass or your body. <laughs> Both. We learned that Cyrus actually faked his death oh. in order to lure Arthur to the house. He has orchestrated Ugh. the abduction of Kathy and Bobby so that Arthur will become the 13th ghost, which will not stop the machine, but trigger it. Oh my god. He's still wearing his I faked my death 
like blood on his he, neck. He is. Which yes. I think yes. is meant to be a fake out of like, oh, maybe his ghost is here. And then Arthur realizes he can see him without the glasses. That is exactly dumb, what it but is. But it, do- yes. it doesn't really sell that moment very no. well. No, that is exactly, that is yeah. definitely the intent. Yeah. yeah. Kalina is revealed to be Cyrus's lover, oh. who stole crucial spells from her partner Damon before killing him in the opening scene, except we didn't see it. We just assumed it was the ghost. Uh-huh. She knocks out Maggie, uh, but when she objects to Cyrus's plan to endanger the children, he kills her uh, and triggers the penultimate stage of the machine. She gets squished between two glass doors. It doesn't look great. No, I agree. Mm. Not a cool death. Mm. Yeah. In the main hall, Arthur witnesses all 12 ghosts orbiting a clockwork device of rotating metal rings with Kathy and Bobby trapped in the center. It's a bit music video. It is very music video. Where you'd video. have like members of a band and you'd see like, oh, I'm in this cage. Yeah. Oh no. It's I'm very, whoa. 2001. It's very, very, yeah. it's very fucking new metal. Yeah, yes. it is. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. It should be in a corn video. Yeah. I'm not complaining if it was uh, in the background. <laughs> Arthur discovers Cyrus, realizing that he is in fact alive, and fights him. Meanwhile, Maggie disrupts the machine's controls, releasing the ghosts from its power. They hurl Cyrus into the moving rings, slicing him into pieces. Like a lot of pieces. Yes. Like individual each each salami. Se- imagine the segments of your body. So oh, like okay. Oh, hello. The the tricep, the bicep, the hand, segments of torso. Hang on, no, no, no. Like, I'm sorry. Let's keep going with this. You're naming segments of your body: tricep, bicep, hand, and then yeah. you went so like, side of your body. Yeah, I, start, I started from my left hand, so I was like hand, <laughs> then like forearm, and then bicep area, <laughs> then bits of your torso. Then the, he's chopped onto a lot of little bits. Yeah, they confetti him. They confetti yes, him. Yeah, yes, yes, and yes. it's like in bad 3D, where like yeah. the head flies towards the camera, yeah. kind of yeah. thing. This feels so much like, like supposed it's supposed to be in 100. percent In certain yeah. moments, there's yeah. uh, and especially then, given the gimmick of the original as yes. well. Like, but yeah. 3D wasn't a thing in 2001. It wasn't, we didn't bring no. it back. It was not no. really. I mean, I'm sure there was something. Really are, we, are we are we teasing Tim's? Picture? We have again. If you're new to the show, we have no idea. What Tim has done to we'll get to that in a minute because I have some thirteen ghost ideas. Mm. But doing it in the post Avatar three D era would be a way sure, to do it. Sure. Mm. But enough films fucking did that, and it was terrible. So. Hello, last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other thing that would that would hurt it if this was in three D is the fucking shaky editing. Oh yeah, the, again, music video. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's something we haven't touched on. The editing in this film is fucking unbearable. Yes. Loud the, bloom transitions. Yes. The constant white flash cut every time mm. we get even a hint of a ghost and then, oh, they can see them and it's suddenly mm. like jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. It's like the flashback scenes in the Saw movies and mm. I don't mean that as a compliment. It, it's so... 2000s. Yeah. It's 2000s bollocks. And it actually, it's music video bollocks. It's all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it got... I don't know if told off is the right word, but like... That it basically it didn't put the sufficient warnings to say, hey, this could trigger seizures in people yes. when it came out. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, weird enough, it did. Yeah, uh, Dead Meat. I mentioned Dead Meat fairly regularly on the show. James Janice from Dead Meat is fantastic. One of my favorite like horror creators on YouTube. Um, does a brilliant thing called Kill Count, where he goes through the film and counts all the things. Um, he says, hey, by the way, this film is full of fucking flashing mm. images. I can't edit them out because it's the entire fucking movie. Mm. So I'm going to give you a big warning now. And exactly as you said, Tim, because they didn't in the original film and people had problems. Mm. So I'm going to warn you now. And I was like, 
Oh yeah, that would have been a fucking problem. Yeah. I it it clicked with me that the editing was egregious. Watching it, obviously, and mm. then watching that, I basically watched that straight after watching this film. Mm. I was like, oh yeah, there's loads of flashing images. And I, how do you not catch that? It's such a it's such a significant portion of runtime. Yeah. Is bollocks with the ghosts. I went to the cinema the other day uh, to see Spider Verse, mm. and there was a warning on the cinema door that was like. These five films all contain like flashing, imi- images. flashing yeah, images that could one. trigger seizures. Interesting. And it's like five of the, it was like Spider Verse, uh, Flash fa- Transformers, Flash Transformers, and a couple of other films. And it's like, yeah. wow, we're really just not giving a fuck about epileptic people at the moment. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, epileptics. Yeah, that's On that must of suck. Hollywood. That mm-hmm. must suck for you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, not anyway. really. Those films are okay. No, actually, yeah. Spider Verse is amazing. Spider Verse so, yeah, yeah. is great. True. Uh, finally, uh, with the encouragement of Dennis's ghost, Arthur leaps through the machine to protect his children and kind of miraculously dodges the slicey blades. I, uh, the penitent man shall pass. Seriously, it's that bullshit. He I just was, does a little hop and it. I was to get really past. hoping because they make it. They don't make a point. They mention earlier in the film that he's a maths teacher. Yes. And I thought there was going to be a whole thing of like, oh, he he spots the pattern of like the rings and like, oh, every... He's done the math. Yeah. I promise you, if this was released in the 2010s rather than the 2000s, Mm. he would have. He'd be the post-Sherlock fucking other Sherlock. Oh, God. Idiot savant star, like... The slow motion. Yeah. I learned my games, Dad. That Mm. kind of like, what? Yeah. It's all the so video game yeah and Just I don't mean that Fibonacci as, as he jumps yeah. through and you're like yeah. what yeah. hi yeah uh, <laughs> the malfunctioning machine rips itself apart destroying the mansion and freeing the ghosts don't know why Ooh. Arthur's wife tells her family that she loves them before disappearing and the defa- uh, the family departs the house gotta love a good perfect dead wife yeah I uh I don't it really fucks me up. There's a trope in cinema and storytelling that really fucks me off. I was like, oh, my dead wife, her dead brother. She was so perfect. Everyone's fucking canonized in death, mm. right? Everyone's like, yeah, oh, you, you, you can't speak ill of the dead. Pre- pre- precisely. Yeah. And then when you do meet that person in the ghostly scenario with this, like, this is the story here, which is great. When everyone is a fucking lunatic and a monster, Jean's just fine and normal. Yeah, and the okay. way she died in a fire yeah but like looks like she's a little bit fan from the opera at best yeah so every everyone off. else is, burnt is, is horribly mutilated by their death and that directly informs what they look like as a ghost and she's just like i'm a person basically yeah i'm a I'm little just i'm a little bit i'm a little bit singed it does it does do the thing of like not all the ghosts are super aggressive in the film like they no, basically I mean, ramp up in terms of aggressive. Things. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they yeah. all look fucked up. But they and all she look just looks like up. a person. She, yes, yeah, yeah. And she just looks like a person who's been burned a bit. Yeah. She looks like Hollywood's version of a mum. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Even though, if I think about it, she's just a forty-year-old woman. <laughs> Give or take, yes, something like that. Mid forties. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing. Sorry, but old but, enough to be mum to Shannon Elizabeth. But that's that's the, yeah. Shannon Elizabeth who had a busy time with American uh, Pie. Yeah. Then she was in uh, Scary Movie. Then yep. this. Then Jay and Silent Bob. It's like holy yeah. shit, lady. And then pretty much disappeared. Then back to more Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob. Um, yeah, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that more in a sense of like you know, you can't when you're doing the first ver- a version of that film. It's you know who would you get of a similar age in a contemporary casting? It's like well not. 
no, no, not like that. In the same way, Aunt May is, yeah. is Marissa Tomei at 50 plus. And you're like, but yeah, that makes sense for the character. Makes sense for this, yeah. this Tom, Holland, Tom Holland's character's age. And you're like, yeah, but she don't look it. It's like, <laughs> the Beverly Hills Cop guys are fucking in their early 30s. They look like they're 50. What the fuck are you talking about? So yeah, sorry. Just I have a real problem with the dead perfect wife. It really annoys me. It, it, it comes up in so many films. I think I was reviewing a film recently where it's the whole like, oh, she was perfect. It's like, are you sure? You never see her I, again, but she's amazing. Like, I, right. saw, I saw a thing that was... Uh, oh, it's the flash that did it me. Sorry, Karen. The, um, the new ridiculous uh, go- uh, VR mixed reality goggles that uh, Apple oh, the have meta just announced. Bullshit. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, sorry. No, it's, Apple, it's, it's not... Yeah, I apologize. Yes, the App, Apple have announced. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. Vision Pro, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. And it was... I'd, I haven't watched the actual like presentation, oh. but it was, it was a <laughs> clip from it where it's like someone is like watching like a home movie that's like hovering yeah. in the middle of their house. And someone had clipped that on Twitter and just put, um, uh, this is going to be a game changer for uh, bitter detectives who have lost their uh, dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> Reviewing footage of you under a, a sheet. Yeah. Looking yeah. back at old home movies. Yeah, because it's basically the bit from Minority Yeah, Report. it is. Yeah. yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, everything else, except it's actually the yes. technology rather than the fantasy style memories and the look. It's always the fucking perfect, like, no one remembers it. No. Yeah. Show me a clip from Marriage Story. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's like the, um, there's a bit in Community where oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Albert is, is filming Annie for, yes. in case she gets a rich husband who then, like, dis- yes. and then she dies. She's like, I miss you so much. And yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm watching footage back, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, oh, okay. it's like her brushing her hair and then turning around and being like, what are you doing with that camera? Yes. <laughs> so again, hate it. And again, it was in D&D, it was in Dungeons and Dragons, the movie and The Flash. And I was like, the fuck? With these like dead, perfect family members. Yeah. Like, are they more complicated human people? No, they're perfect canonized saints. How dare you? Um, so yeah, 13 Ghosts. It's fine. Ish. It's not fine. It's bad, but yeah. But the, the production, that's design, and stuff is is incredible in places. The visual effects not so good in yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. Performances across the board are pretty bland to me. Yeah, like, like Lillard is is fine. Is fine. He feels like the only person who's like having fun. Yes. Um, yeah. He feels like he's from a different film. He does. Yes. He usually does. Yeah. He just does a Lillard. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, he's he's probably at like sixty five percent Lillard in this. <laughs> so it's like ten percent of his power. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's fair to say he's got a semi level groundedness to it, but without mm. being uh, obnoxious. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing crash and burn. <laughs> That was for Tim. Um, <laughs> fucking love hackers. I know. <laughs> that's that's 100% Lillard. That is. <laughs> that and him saying, it's a scream, baby, as he runs out in, in fucking scream. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to enjoy. Okay, let me put it this way. I feel when this goes out, there'll be people on social media, on the Discord, listeners yourselves going, hey, I like 13 Ghosts. And yeah, then, yeah. The, mm. the only response to that is, what? Do you like trashy, shitty horror films? Yeah, I was about like, to say. Yeah, of course I do. We have a bunch of fans who like schlocky horror bollocks. Yeah. As we have discovered by most of us not liking schlocky horror bollocks. 
Mm, and so, mm. yeah, there will definitely be on the Discord, on Twitter, people being like, oh, God. Like, it's a solid four out of five. I've watched it when I was 12 and I fucking loved it. Look, boobs and violence and stuff. Like, there's not much of either of those things, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we should probably get around to fixing it. Right, Tim? I, I think Tim could go a handful of ways with it because it's mm. 1960. So you've got literally, you could do a 70s, 80s, the world 90s, 10s. The, the timeline so. is your oyster. But I wonder if Tim has. Tim, I'm looking you straight in the fucking eyeballs. Okay. Yeah. Immediately, my poker face. Immediately regretting it because I'm not an eyeball kind of person, but we're here now. He's a foot kind of guy. Not really. Um, oh, God. But I think Tim will have gone full law and full story or full gimmick. I don't know which, but I think oh, it's interesting. Good. I, it might be between the two, but I think he's gone one or the other. Tim, okay. Tim give me nothing. Give me fucking a, poker I, face. I didn't put my little glasses on to see, I'm afraid, but... Yeah. If I did, he's winking the whole way through. <laughs> if you'd have been looking at me through a, a red lens, then I would have been winking. And if you'd have been looking at me through a blue lens, I would have been blowing you kisses. Oh my God, I don't know what that means. I don't know if, what's, which means which. There's only one way to find out. Let's get to it. So before we get to Tim's fix and pitch, let's journey on down to the old rotten tomato, shall we, gentlemen? Yeah, right. Going back to 1960, 13 ghosts. Timothy Maytum, what do you reckon on the old tomatometer? And for those of you, I'll give you a little time to think, Tim. For those of you who are new to requalizers or sequelizers, Rotten Tomatoes scores things on a percentage basis based on the number of positive reviews. That is a 3 out of 5, a 6 out of 10, a 60%, if you will, or higher is considered a positive review. So it is not a cumulative, it is not a weighted average and all that kind of stuff. It is the number, the percentage of positive reviews from critics. It's also very flawed and badly monitored. Correct. You have to be a registered critic to do it. Not every critic is registered. Sometimes they align the wrong film with the wrong thing. Mm. Sometimes critics don't give it a score, but they kind of judge what a B- minus should be, mm-hmm. or like a one thumb up out of a three thumb up system, or some weird bollocks. We've seen two separate three out of fives from the same person for different movies be a positive and a negative. Correct, yes. It's flawed, it's mad, and that's why we talk about it on sequelizers. Yep. Slash requalizers. Tim, 13 Ghosts, 1960, what do you reckon? Tim's trying to launch himself off the sofa. What the fuck are you doing? 45%. 45 for Big Willie Castle. Because I think it is, like, obviously there's no contemporary reviews Hmm. uh, on there, or maybe they have dug up some newspapers from the 60s or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's mostly going to be people going back and going, oh, this was just a gimmick. And the film actually doesn't hold up. Matthew. Uh, exact same logic, but much lower. Uh, 21. Wait, no, 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 no. Uh, do I make the joke of 13? No, 21. Fuck it. 21 for Matthew. What about 2001? Background to you, Tim. Mm, I think it's going to be about the same because, as we mentioned, there will be reviews from around the time at this point. Yep. But it did not do well. Uh, and it was. Right after 9-11, and a bunch of critics are going to be like, not the time for this. Yeah, uh, as if they were like, we knew this was coming and we released it within a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess slightly higher, 53%. 53%. Matthew, what do you reckon? Um, I think the schlock of it and the music video editing and the very erratic youthful 2000s pace would have pissed off a lot of cantankerous individuals and horror fans would be like, kills aren't good enough, could be more killy. Um, 
who are all, you know, Tom Hardy, apparently. Yeah. Uh, 36. 36 for Matthew Stockton. To complete the trilogy, I always bring an extra little dark horse, one Tim. Oh my God. Bring an extra dark horse so we don't have 1v1 and it's all uh, equal and all that kind of stuff. 13 going on 30. <laughs> that would be very funny. <laughs> 13 hours, the secret heroes of Benghazi or whatever it was called. <laughs> no. No. Right, right. I'd be mad. Uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times already, though. Patrick Swayze's ghost? No. We're just going to keep guessing until we get it right. House on Haunted Hill by William oh, Parker from, oh. from 1959. What, was that one of the t- options on the Patreon? I don't know. That we had the haunting. It, it was remade in 1999. I think it was another... Other, uh, yeah. yeah. Haunting House on Haunted Hill and uh, 13 Ghosts. Yeah. yeah. And we, we knew it'd be close between two of them because haunting... Yeah. Mm. But anyway, sorry, yes. Uh, the original from 1959, William Castles. Oh, the original? Yes. With Vincent Price. Indeed. That way he's from Wales. Tim? 67%. 67%. I'm kind of just pulling that out of nowhere. Matthew? 49. Same thing, Tim. Same. 49, pulling it out of your ass. Excellent uh, stuff. I, I'm pretty sure we said nowhere. I'm pretty sure you said I'm pretty sure my ass is definitely somewhere. <laughs> It's somewhere around right, here. Put on your goggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Two sweep. to one. Not, oh, no. not a clean sweep. I, d- I, I was not confident about any of my guesses. On Same. This. No fucking idea. Uh, you, neither of you should have been particularly confident. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are particularly close. Weird enough, one okay. of them is right in the middle of two of them, and that is the original 13 Ghosts. Okay. Matt, you said 21. Tim, you said 45. Mm-hmm. It's 36. Ah, but God. So just fuck. to you, Tim. Bizarre. So if I picked 36 for this film... You picked... Yes, you picked the correct score for the original film. for the remake. Well, suck my balls. Thirth... 13 Ghosts. Sure. Thir- 13 Ghosts, whatever you want to call it. The 2001 version. Matt, you said 36. Tim, you said 53. Mm-hmm. Much lower than that. It's 18. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's I think that is too low, which that's is harsh. not something we say that yeah. often here on sequelizers or Equalizers. I think Except when we're talking fine. about Blade. <laughs> True. Exactly. I think 36 would have been fine. I've been okay with that. Yeah. I'd yeah. be okay. I'd be okay with 45. Yeah. Not whatever. 50. That's well, ridiculous. And that's cut off point. That's, that's when we get into Blade 2 territory. Yep. Upsets me greatly. Uh, so that's a point to you, Matthew. Thanks. So it comes down to House on the Haunted Hill, which I'll mm. let you know right now is William Castle's highest rated directed movie. I had a feeling that Rotten it was Tomatoes. his best regarded one. It's probably his best known one. It's yes. The best of them all. Yeah. More yeah. Promise, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's Rosemary's Baby, but he produced Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> the man who shall not be uh, named directed Rosemary's yeah, Baby. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Rotten Tomatoes, for nearly screwing up my system. But yes, it is, in fact, his highest rated film. Matt, you said 49. Tim, you said 67. Sure. 78%. Fuck wow. me. So, Tim, two out against one. I'll you, take Matthew. it. Fair play. Congratulations. Man of the people. Indeed. And a man, hopefully, full of ghosts, ready for your pitch. Oh, what is, chock full of what ghosts. is the plan for all of your spectral... Companions, Mr. Yes. Matum. My cabinet. Ba- my baker's dozen of phantoms. A baker's dozen, indeed. A baker's motherfucking dozen. Boy. A baker's dozen. A baker's dozen. I hate that. I hate that a baker's dozen is 12 plus one in case you fuck it up. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've never seen a baker with a, with a, with a 
actual tray, <laughs> put dough in it, and go, hang on, I need to put another one in here somewhere. What a load of horse shit. Yeah, it's like, you know, all the like muffin tins and stuff like that don't have 13 holes in them. No. They have 12. Yeah. This is very important. Unless you ask nicely. Anyway. <laughs> My film's called 13 Ghosts. Thank, okay. Um, okay are you doing the no. number in the 7-Eleven thing? And no. 13, 13, mm. no. Tim, you may be up with the studio, mate. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> you may not get a choice. Yeah. <laughs> but it depends f- on when you're releasing it, because I feel like that's a very 2001 thing to do. Again, post-7, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Fant four stick? Exactly, yes. Mm, yes. That's 2010s. It is. My film comes out in the year... 2017. Interesting. Okay. 27. So, that's a very specific year. 57 years after the original. Yep. Very I thought I wanted to, you know, commemorate that nice anniversary. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know I end up doing that a lot of times. So, oh, it's exactly <laughs> 30 years. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, it is. So sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I do do it on purpose. Yeah. A lot of the times I'm just like, oh yeah. Sure. But, yeah. But yeah, no, oh, we'll get into it. Mm. My director is Joe Cornish. Huh. <sighs> Of Attack, Attack the, the Block. Block a couple of years before? Is that 2014, yep. 2015? When does he do mm. his King Arthur thing? It is after this. It, I believe it's the, 2020 that comes yeah, out. Yeah. Or 2019, the, maybe. Yeah. The, uh, the kid, the the kid mod, who would be king. The modern kid thing. Mm. I saw that on a lot of buses. Mm. Yeah. That piece of I shit think, movie. I, I have a feeling it was just prior to the pandemic because i have a feeling it's stuck on buses for ages yeah, this is correct no, yes. no new advertising came out so yep. attack the block is fucking fantastic love mm. attack the block joe cornish being adore it rolled up in tintin i uh, don't give a shit about that tintin film mm. and a lot of people defend it and i don't care mm. it's got stephen moffat edgar wright and joe cornish's hands and that's too many fucking hands yeah two very plus disparate Steve- hands plus steven spielberg and and peg i think as well yeah somehow it's it, it's too much Mm. It's too much, and it's a generic film. Mm. But he was involved in it and all that stuff, and he was also involved in Ant Man, kind yep. of with Edgar Wright, which yeah. is why he. Yeah. I don't think he released a directorial thing during that time, really. Mm. So 2017, interesting. So he's definitely yeah. free. I just mean like, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. kind of pulling him. We're extricating him from some of those sure, tangles. Sure. Yeah, so he was also doing a lot of like had TV stuff in stuff development in. Yeah. and uh, that didn't pan out and various yeah. other things that's fine, fine fine if you didn't already know also adam and joe the adam buxton joe cornish mm-hmm. adam yes. and joe show it blew my mind when i found out that was the same guy yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i listened to adam and joe when i was younger mm. and then attacked the block i was like oh that's cool who's my, joe cornish my wife fuck me that's joe from adam and joe <laughs> my wife uh two, two anecdotes very brief one at kapow in 2011 my wife met joe cornish uh and john boyega who nobody knew at the time. No. And um, there's a sign thing upstairs uh, from both. For the Attack the Block. It was very cool. And a very nice guy, apparently. And my wife always points out that though she never met me without facial hair, and I had hair when I first met my wife, mm. the younger me from like the early 2000s, the teenage, late teens, early 20s, that I put on Instagram mm-hmm. fairly recently, short hair, no beard. My wife always says, he looks like a young Joe Cornish. <laughs> when I, was I can young. see what she means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's there. You've I both get it. Got the angular face. Mm. It's white boy from these islands. <laughs> also, that both yes. from London. So yes. yes. Uh, yeah. So he is my director. Very interesting. Uh, for my cast. I now think you go down Gimmick Road. By the way. Hmm. Interesting. I have uh, as Dominic 
Kazantzakis. Oh, oh, Tim, we're going to have to say that surname <laughs> a lot. There's a uh, lot of outtakes, folks, if you're <laughs> trying to pronounce Greek names. Yep. Uh, Damien Lewis. Oh, hello. Damien Lewis, another mopey guy. <laughs> another Brit. The yeah. British guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously started out in kind of Band of Brothers. But fucking brilliant in Band of Brothers. I agree. Um, Peak of his career, if you ask me. Yeah, mm. went on to do stuff like Homeland on TV and Billions on TV, which would be going around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, briefly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As Hira I have Shelley Conn. Um, she's mostly TV uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, she was in Dead Set, uh, I love Dead Mistresses. Set. Okay. Nice. Um, more recently, she's been in Bridgerton on Netflix. Oh, uh, okay. I'm noticing a, a trend here, boys. British people. Yeah. yeah. British TV actors. <laughs> yeah. Yep. As Matilda Kazantzakis, Florence Pugh. Oh, hello. So this is right. Jack, I'm noticing. <laughs> right at the start of her career, yeah. uh, she did the falling in 2014, and Lady Macbeth would have just come out in 2016. Yes. Happy ass Lady Macbeth. We know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the cheery date film. Um, yes. Yeah. Cheery uh, date film. Lady Macbeth. Obviously, goes on to do Midsummer, Little Women, Black Widow, and is going to be in June part two. We we talked a little, not a lot, but a bit about Midsummer in the Wicker Man episode. We did. We did a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, and as Sarang Kazantzakis, I have Josh Sanger, uh, who is a young actor yeah. who was uh, mainly known for uh, a CBBC show, uh, oh, wow. the, the Dumping Ground, which I, is... I feel like I know the name more than I know the face, weirdly enough, which is not the way it usually goes. Uh, yeah, which is a, um, a spin-off of the Tracy Beaker show. Wow, there's a core British reference yeah, there, yeah. Tim. A, a, a bunch a, of bunch all of all the international listeners will be like, "The oh, fuck is that?" <laughs> yes, Tracy uh, Beaker. Google it, I guess. Yeah. fucking hell. He's he's not a famous actor, but I was I was close to being like some kid, uh, but I I wanted to actually cast this part. Um, it, it feels like a Doctor Who moment <laughs> where you've got people who are like like when like Carrie Mulligan, huge, amazing yeah. performing actor, and, 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 and a tower of talent. Mm. But also, early in her <laughs> career in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, one of the best episodes. Speaking of Doctor Who, oh, hello. damn it! As Bailey Rush can't do British things without a Doctor or a Doctor clearly, companion clearly. in there. Uh, as Bailey Rush, I have Burn Gorman. Ah, who sorry, you're going Billy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> started out uh, in Torchwood. He did. oh, didn't start out in Torchwood, but one of his earliest roles that people cake. people know is in Torchwood. He was, yeah, he's in The Dark Knight Rises, Pacific Rim, obviously. Yep. Uh, Crimson Peak. Speaking of ghosts. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Goes on to be he's in the uh, a season of The Expanse. He's great in The Expanse. Um, yeah. Enola Agreed. Holmes and the Del Toro Pinocchio. Yes. Yeah. He's great. Good name, mm. good voice, good yeah. f- weird face. He, he, yep. he, that's the, in, when he appeared in Layer Cake, he's, he looks like, to, to quote properly, a fucking fug. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like someone who's been roughed up in a pub. But a great actor. Yep. Just yep. a great profile. Great yeah. character yeah. actor. Whenever Ben Goldman shows up in stuff, I'm like, oh, Ben Goldman's here. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to be playing a piece like, of shit. Yeah, yeah there, there we go. go. Oh, he's a wholesome. No, no, no. There he is. Apart, there he apart is. from in Pacific Rim, where he gets to be like an eccentric, yeah, well, yes. wacky scientist guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's one good bit. As William Benjamin, mm-hmm. Rafe Spall. Oh, yeah. nice. And that's um, uh, 
Speaking of distinctive looking British blokes. Yeah. Very small. This is probably before. Also, because of Green Street, a fucking fuck. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, this would be pr- before Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic yes. World. Uh, yeah. So he's yeah. been in Hot Fuzz. He's been at Green Street. Yeah. Uh, he's been in Prometheus, The oh, Big yeah. Short. Oh, yeah, of course he is. And would have just been in the Spielberg BFG as right. well. Oh, oh wow. Uh, and then goes on to be in Jurassic Park Fallen right, Kingdom, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Just Mercy. Uh, and was in Men in Black International, apparently, a film I have not seen and Fuck don't plan to. Well. Yeah, yeah. You do not. Uh, and then finally, for the humans. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Did Tim say at the start that these were all the ghosts? No, these aren't the ghosts. He just said these are the humans. Oh, yeah. Humans are also ghosts. Ghosts are also humans, I suppose. We'll find out. Mm. Spoilers, uh, maybe. Lastly, Ruby Trask. Great name. Uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster. And Brewster. Uh, probably best known, she was in Dune mm-hmm. as, um, I can't remember the character's name, the scientist who's working with the Fremen. Oh, uh, Lee of Kynes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she started out in Bad Girls on TV, uh, did a bunch of British TV. She was in Rogue One. Uh, she was in Sex Education on uh, Netflix and uh, is apparently in Enola Holmes 2. As a gender-swapped Moriarty. Correct, yep. yes. Yep. She's got a great piercing gaze, I mm. find. Yeah. The ghosts. Oh, okay. I see. This Already this cast is fucking huge. <laughs> uh, this, this, people will note, as I go through this, this will not be a list of 13 people uh, because uh, some of the ghosts are more... They're just going to be played by like stunt actors right. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And a lion. Uh, as Rodolfo the Magnificent <laughs> Carnival Origins I guess. Yeah. Uh, Taron Egerton Oh Wow Just post First Kingsman Yes right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Post uh, Eddie Second the Eagle Kingsman. Oh Eddie uh, the fucking hell yeah was and, an Eddie the Eagle And Sing uh, Before Second Kingsman Before the, Robin the, Hood The terrible Robin Hood We talked about uh, yeah. in our Robin Hood episode yeah. uh, yeah. And before Rocket Man Which oh, obviously is great. great It's great in Rocket Man Good in mm. Tetris as well. I watched Tetris recently. Mm. Yeah. Good. As Great moustache. <laughs> uh, he's got a moustache in this as well. Oh, now I'm in, Tim. <laughs> he's got like a thin, like a 1910s yeah, moustache. Yeah, yeah. Mm. naturally. A Vincent Price, if you will. Yeah. As Eustace Spring. <laughs> Can we... We just need to pause for a second. These fucking names, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Next level names. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ruby Trask. And Eustace Spring? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What mm-hmm. the fuck? Uh, Mark Heap. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do I think I've cast in something I else think before? You have. I can't I want to say twice, in fact, but I can't uh, guarantee that. In Spaced as Brian. Uh, Hello, Brian. Uh, about a boy, the Calcium Kid, the Orlando oh, Bloom yeah. boxing oh, movie. Wow, yeah. Uh, That's a thing. Milk film. Yep. Uh, Friday Night Dinner on <laughs> Matt's TV. Matt's favourite movie, the milk <laughs> film. Uh, and recently showed up in The School for Good and Evil on Netflix. Mm. Again, you're picking a bunch of odd-looking British character actors. Well, that is Tim a trend and that Tar- will continue. Tim has picked Elaine. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, as Anthony Stockley, Julian Barrett. <laughs> Yep, there's yeah. a theme, Tim. <laughs> Plus, uh, feels like uh, when did the horrible histories people do the ghosts thing? Uh, oh, that was after Just, this. Oh, after this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, best known for the Mighty Boosh. Yep. Uh, Nathan Barley uh, did the film Mind Torn. 
Yeah. Uh, did, yes. Yeah. Uh, was also in A Field in England. Love the, a field um, in uh, What's his face film? Ben, ben Wheelie. Wheelie. There we go. Thanks for that in stereo, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, and was recently on The Great, the TV show about Catherine the Great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miriam Bainbridge uh, is played by Gina McKee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Probably McKee. best known for Notting Hill. Yeah, I think so. Um, she's in mm. Our Friends in the North, which was kind of a big TV deal in the 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Uh, is in, in atonement in the in the loop. Well? In the, in the loop yeah. yeah. Uh, is in Phantom Thread after this. Um, and uh, the Bodyguard TV show that was a big deal a few she years back. In, in the Borgias as well. I want to say possibly. I think she it, was. It doesn't yeah. actually matter. But she's one of those sort of character actors mm. who appears a lot of things. Very talented. I want yeah. to say she's a Geordie. Possibly she plays Geordies often. So maybe yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Aquellan. <laughs> Aquellan. Uh, Aquellan. Uh, Tony Way. Oh. This is an actor who, if you see him, you will probably recognise yeah. him. That guy with the weird face. Yeah. Sorry, Tony, uh, but, you know. He's probably best known, uh, probably now for Edge of Tomorrow, where he plays, like, one of the squaddies in Tom Cruise's, like, group of misfits. Mm -hmm. He's, like, the one who w wears nothing under his armour. Yeah. The big guy. Uh, he's also in Finding Neverland, uh, Anonymous, the... Um, Shakespeare. The Shakespeare film oh, Roland God. Emmerich's yeah. Yeah. Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare yeah uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo uh, mm -hmm. yeah. and goes on to be in Horrible Histories the movie yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Hillary Adam Buxton hey yeah. Adam, Adam, there Adam and Joe reunion I, I feel like you could have gone through the fucking cast of Stardust at this point <laughs> pretty much yeah. <laughs> yeah there's quite a crossover with Stardust oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, obviously the Adam and Joe show Son of Rambo Hot Fuzz gets his Skull crushed in that yep. memorably. Yep. Um, he has a cameo in The Kid Who Would Be King as well, as you might expect. No, Occasionally sure. cameos um, on the streets of Norwich. Yes. Because he lives in Norwich. Yeah, probably yep. best known for podcasting at this yes, point. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. One of the Britain's leading podcasters and yep. early adopters of podcasting with the Adam and Joe and all that kind yep. of stuff. Uh, as Lemington St. Isidore. <laughs> Jesus, <word. laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's the most British. <laughs> Combination of fucking <laughs> syllables, yeah. I was thinking just letters, but syllables. Yeah. It's what somebody who's never been to Britain sounds <laughs> things, things are called. You're like, uh, you know, you're fucking Leamington's and Isn't like, what? 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 Leamington's a place you fuck. What? Saint Isn't? What are you talking yeah. about? That is a insane and brilliant Tim. Uh, mm. Played by Richard Iowade. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Obviously, he's been in the IT crowd at this yes, point. This is, uh, yeah. I can see this not being the same vibe as the 2001. <laughs> <laughs> what gave you that impression, Matthew? Uh, it only recently struck Literally me everything. With all yeah. of the cast and Joe Cornish. <laughs> uh, was, did a voice in the box trolls just before this, then goes on to a, be in... Aforementioned box trolls. Yeah, yeah in, in, in Jack's Clash, Clash of the, the Universe being wiped out. He's yeah. not in box trolls. But that doesn't... That's not a thing, Jack. So. It is. It's a combined oh, universe. It's, it's a, a SCU. Um, yeah, uh, goes on to be in Paddington 2, uh, the souvenir and the sequel to it, and the bad guys. Uh, he, he was just in a trailer for the new Fable game yeah, as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, as a giant. As a giant. Yeah. yeah. Great reveal. Uh, and then finally, as the ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Ricky Tomlinson. <laughs> Ricky fucking from the Tomlinson. royal family, from the royal family. <laughs> and of Jesus. course, oh my Mike God. Bassett 
England manager. <laughs> of all the fucking names you're about to put up for a ventriloquist, that was not my expectation. Is this the most British film never made? <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it's like literally like if you if, if I was to describe <laughs> to you Churchill, the Hollywood years, <laughs> or as I say, Stardust, you go, no, you can't have all those people in this movie together. It's like, yeah, it's got like it's you a know, bunch of TV actors and Joe Cornish, Claire Danes, and 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 Robert De Niro, and uh, Stephen Graham, and Dexter Fletcher, and uh, fucking um, Ricky Gervais, and Charlie Cox. Like, oh, hang on, that's too many people. <laughs> I'm not done yet. You keep going with, like, that's I haven't even got to the ghosts yet. <laughs> all the League of Gentlemen cast yeah. and all this. That's like, that's too many. I'm not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was half expecting Reece Shearsmith oh, and shot. Henry fucking Cavill. Like, <laughs> no, I did. I like. did almost put some League of Gentlemen nice. uh, alum in, nice. in this. That is a good lord. Tim. I I know listeners who say, and they're absolutely right. When we say so many of these names, it's helpful to have a guide of who the fuck is who. Yeah. And so on the Patreon, we do have that. Um, literally the day after on Saturday. Especially non-British listeners. Yeah. <laughs> won't recognise maybe any of these names yeah. except maybe like yeah. Taron Edgerton. Basically. What I don't share is that I also struggle sometimes. So when we're reading, it, I'm like, wait, who the fuck is this one again? I, yeah. A few of them, obviously, my reaction was fairly evident. I was like, what the fuck? But. A couple of them, I was like, who the hell is that person? I was, mm. And I was Googling as Tim was saying, mm. oh, right, that person. Mm. There's a lot of, oh, that guy or mm. that girl or that lady. Oh, sorry. What I meant was when I'm going to be reading the pitch later, I'm going to forget entirely who's playing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. okay because I assume they could be on screen for like a moment. Yeah. To make matters even more confusing, most of the characters oh, are not it. named in the pitch. Fucking so I will, as we are going through, I will say who they are. The man, the girl, the person. Yeah. This, the, the this thing. is the gimmick. Tim goes to every goes, cinema goes and one. jumps in and says, that's Richard Iwadi. Yeah. Runs away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we know. We can see him. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, In ways, I have taken some, some hints from... Uh, the uh, the the twenty uh, two thousand and one version where I have some Titties. more background <laughs> information on each of the ghosts in my nice. brain that is that is potentially You're not putting included on the, DVD, in the, on the Blu-ray extras. It's going to be time, on yeah. the Blu-ray yeah. extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Were there more cast? That is everyone. Fucking hell. Um, there couldn't be more. Murky. I love it because that's fantastic, and I'm already like this is the maddest. This shit. is one of those things where it's it's going to get released, and if there's no two thousand one version, it's like. An old 1960, which at this point is like effectively 60 years old, mm -hmm. seven years old. And you're just going to go, it's a, a, it sounds like it's going to be one of those charming British releases. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. It's going to get weird real quick. I, or, 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 Tim has made a sex comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I fucking did it. If Tim doesn't foot fucking, then what's the point? Let me just uh, do find and replace and just put... <laughs> Every time the word with sex. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Ghostbusters. Exactly. Uh, interesting, Tim. I think this is a this is one of those things where you're going to absolutely, and this isn't me complaining, but because I love brains. this idea, I think this is a very solid way because it's a hokey fucking sixties thing. But I think all the two thousands horror nerds go, no, 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 I want a slashery thing, and they're like, well, but you're getting a quirky fun thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it might be really violent. I don't know. Let's get stuck in. Attack and block mm -hmm. isn't exactly you know tame. Mm. The film opens with a security guard patrolling outside a large, intimidating country house during a rainy night. The guard discovers a back door has been left ajar and enters the house to investigate. As he makes his way through the home's ornate, peculiar interior, he begins to hear distant noises, groans and shrieks, laughter and sobbing. It's Britain, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> British houses, that's how that works. Moving through the kitchen, he hears a regular tapping on the pipes and follows it through the house, eventually coming across an old leather football, that's a soccer ball for international <laughs> listeners, in the middle of a hallway. As he approaches to pick it up, the ball bursts into flames, illuminating a pair of large feline eyes in the darkness of the corridor. He flees back through the house, almost making it to the back door, when something grabs him. We watch as he is dragged back into the house, screaming. Classic cold open. Sometime later, Sarang Kazantzakis, is that right? Kazankis. Kazantzakis. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. <laughs> Did you do this on purpose, Tim? <laughs> Nectatopolis. Um, Sarang... Jason Mansu. Kazantzakis, yeah. Sarang Kazantzakis rides in a car with his father, Dom Kazantzakis, um, who has been called into work on a Saturday. Fucking hell. Outrageous. Fate worse than death. Outrageous. Once there, Sarang stays in the car, but is quickly distracted by an elderly woman feeding seagulls. I mean, yeah, no one fucking feeds seagulls and there's something massively wrong with you. And exits the car to chat with her. Dom, watching this happen through a window as he meets with his boss, is distracted by his son's antics. However, he is soon snapped back to reality when he realizes he is being made redundant from his job selling loft insulation. Again, 2010s, relatable, everyone's going through miserable shit. Britain. Year after Brexit. Oh god, it is, yeah. Despondent, he leaves the meeting and chastises Sarang for talking to strangers, which is clearly a frequent habit. Not a lot of, uh, a lot of quirk yet, Tim. Quite mm. sad. But then mm -hmm. again, I said it's about attack the block. Good. Interesting. Returning home, we meet Dom's wife, Hera, and his daughter from his first marriage, Matilda. The family eats dinner together, and later that night, Matilda comforts Sarang as the two overhear their parents discussing Dom's redundancy and their mounting bills. The next day, as the autumn weather worsens, the family are visited by two lawyers, the oily Mr. Rush and the looming Mr. Benjamin. The pair informs the family that Dom's uncle, an eccentric adventurer named Plutarch Kazantzakis, <laughs> has passed away, leaving his mansion to Dom. Plutarch Kazantzakis. Christ, him. I mean, based on like the fucking original film, it's yeah, it's, yeah, 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 absolutely. After some discussion, the family decides to travel from their home in suburban Northampton, well, that's the middle of fucking nowhere in England, to the house, which lies on the edge of Boland Fells. Arriving at the house, they find that Rush and Benjamin are already there, waiting for the family. The Kazantzakises are astonished at the mansion's elaborate gothic design, and upon entering, find it fully furnished with antiques and curios. As Dom and Hera sign the various contracts and documents, Involved in taking ownership of the house. Do they nick their uh, hand at any point and some blood falls on the contracts? <laughs> or is it just literally a regular biro moment? Just a regular biro. Or okay. paper gun. <laughs> That'll do fine. <laughs> Matilda and Sarang explore their new home. Matilda finds a set of wet footprints in one of the corridors that abruptly stops, while Sarang finds a set of claw marks around one of the door frames that are later mysteriously gone. Rush gives Dom and Hera a short tour of the house with some more spooky goings-on that he writes off as it being um, an old house in need of work. We mentioned that. British houses just kind of creak and groan and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Emma's, Emma's mum goes, oh, it's a ghost. And, I, it's just the old <laughs> house. and estate agents are pieces of shit. Yeah, and that too. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Benjamin enters the basement and moves aside several uh, sorry, antiques to reveal a door with a large, complex lock. 
etched with mystical symbols. Some sort of necronomicon. <laughs> oh my god, it's the Dark Zodiac or some shit. Rush concludes his tour and tells Dom and Hera that he just needs to attend to some minor business elsewhere in the house, then he and Benjamin will be on their way. Matilda attempts to charge her phone in her room, only for the socket to spark and fry her mobile. Ah, well done, Tim. Modern horror has to write out (laughs) mobile phones. That's how you do it. As Dom cooks dinner, he hears a female voice angrily shouting, while Hera searches the house for the kids, eventually finding Sarang in the library. There, he has found a strange pair of goggles, (laughs) a similar-looking pair of gloves, and a notebook filled with diagrams. As Hera takes him back to the kitchen for dinner, Sarang puts on the goggles and briefly glimpses a dismembered ghostly foot twitching near the library door. Tim, I gotta ask a very important question. This will be, this is something you have to describe because it's a thing that's not in the pitch, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is. Whose foot is it? How much can I buy that foot for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do the goggles look like? Because I think that's going to, in my head at least, mm. determine. The, uh, the, vibe. The, the vibe and yeah. tone of this film. Either it's a steampunky thing or a cartoony mm. thing or a silly thing or a straightforward thing. Or it's, a, yeah. it's steampunky. I would okay. say midway point between Benjamin Franklin Gates's <laughs> magic glasses in National Treasure Christ. Uh-huh. Okay. and the goggles in Hellboy 2 that you use to Ooh. see uh, fairies Fairy and land, shit. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's the whole tactile, practical, grounded, but old. Yes. Nice. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. None of this just glasses from the, the, the yeah. 2001 version. Yeah. Or I'm also, because I've seen like Midnight Special, swimming goggles. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like, goggles. What? Yeah, to Clary. Yeah. 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 Just on some fucking yeah, no, this, is, this, is, this is some steampunk and shit. And a swimming cool. hat. And also not some 90s neon stuff like in Jurassic Park in the back of the car. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, not, not like that. Cool, cool, cool. While the family eats dinner, Rush joins Benjamin in the basement and the pair attempt to unlock the door discussing the treasure beyond imagination that Plutarch mentioned in his will. Benjamin points out that Plutarch claimed only a member of his family would be able to access the fortune, and Rush tells him that's why they brought the family here in the first place. After dinner, Sarang returns to exploring the house, returning to the library to once again find the spectral foot. While fiddling with the controls on the gloves, he discovers that a certain setting covers them in a field of blue light that enables him to touch the foot. This feels like a fucking a, power glove. Yeah, a 1980s power glove crossover. <laughs> like, my God. Yeah, and you have to defeat it with the goddamn SNES bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Robbie the robot. Yes. Meanwhile, Dom and Hera answer a knock at the door from Ruby Trask, a medium <laughs> who tells the couple that they are in grave danger while they remain in the house. A lot of fuckers. Should have known from Ruby Trask that she's a fucking medium. <laughs> I thought that were a reporter, personally. Yeah, yeah. Dom and Hera invite Ruby in as she explains she knew Plutarch and that he was meddling with forces beyond his control. As various other spooky happenings occur, just generic haunting shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I respect that. Yep. Benjamin grows frustrated with trying to crack the door's lock in the basement and smacks it with a sledgehammer. Oh, good. Causing several of the symbols to glow red. Around the house, doors and window shutters magically slam shut, and the power to the entire house goes out. The startled Sarang attempts to find his parents, but reaching a staircase is confronted with a ghost. My God. The upper half of a young man dragging itself along using its arms, gibbering and yelling. Who's this, Tim? 
This is Taron Egerton. Ah, this is Rudolfo the Magnificent. I have a question. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the tonal thing. Mm-hmm. How fucked up is this? How Crimson Peak is this? Oh, it's, it's, this moment is going to be pretty scary. It's going to okay. be quite, played quite straight. It's, it's, his description makes it feel like it's a horror. Yeah, yeah this sounds scary as fuck. It is going to, and uh, certainly the initial moment is going to be played very horry, almost maybe a little bit Sam Raimi with like the first hand like oh, yeah, coming yeah, up yeah, over yeah. the stairs mm, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we know Cornish can do that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But we're going to, as we will see, uh, it's going to soften, I feel. It's going to yeah, flip yeah. the tone in a moment. Terribly sorry about that. And that's why Phil's coming. Sarang impassively watches the ghost as it approaches, then briefly runs away returning with the foot, which he places in front of the ghost. The spectre pauses, then attempts to grab at Sarang, but the blue field with the gloves seems to shock the ghost, changing it from a ghoulish green to a cool blue. Interesting. The ghost recovers his composure, ceasing his angry gibbering, and instead introduces himself as Rodolfo the Magnificent, a circus acrobat who died in 1908. As Sarang peppers him with questions, he explains that he was captured by Plutarch and brought to the mansion along with a number of other ghosts. How many ghosts? We'll never know. A shining's worth. A few weeks ago, something happened, and he was freed from his confinement, but infected by the strange green light that left him in torment and drove him mad. He asked Sarang to help reunite him with his beloved Julieta. Is it Julieta or Julieta? Julieta. That depends how much Taron Egerton wants to like chew chew the scenery. Julieta, a, a fair amount, I assume. <laughs> yeah, my beloved Julieta. Taron's up for a bit of scenery chewing. Absolutely, he yeah, loves yeah. it. And Sarang agrees. Meanwhile, Matilda leaves her room, making her way through the dark house in a te- in an attempt to find her family. She becomes lost and encounters a storm of poltergeist activity that flings items around and pelts her with debris, forcing her to take shelter in the bathroom. In the kitchen, Ruby advises Dom and Hera to stick together, but Dom insists on finding the fuse box in, to attempt to bring the power back on. Worried about the kids, Hera convinces Ruby to help her find them. Sarang and Rodolfo, now floating above the ground with his solitary foot hopping along underneath, there's the shift in tone, continue to explore the house. As Rodolfo boasts about his life in the circus, Sarang reads the notebook that he found with the goggles. After a short while, Sarang hears his mother calling for him and races ahead, only to be confronted by a ghostly ventriloquist mimicking her voice. This is Ricky Tomlinson. This is Ricky Tomlinson. The, ven- the ventriloquist. The ventriloquist. Ricky fucking Ricky Tomlinson. fucking Tomlinson. That's so hard to picture, man. But I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just like, I'm just like, because you know, it's picture, completely believable. Picture, picture him. We're going to, we're going to, he's going to be. He's a big not, fat bulbous nosed guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, be very relati- angry, but not angry at all. Relatively clean shaven, maybe with like a goatee. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and in like a kind of like a ruined tuxedo. Yeah. He's from like the kind of 50s he's meant to be. Nice. Oh, no, that's the thing. I can kind of see it. I just, yeah. I'm just so taken out of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ventriloquist sends its puppet after Sarang, chasing him through the hallways until Rodolfo manages to tackle it and hurl it through a wall. Ghost on ghost action, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Tim brings the bangers. Puppet on acrobat action. Oh, that's what we need. Brit on Brit madness. Dom locates the fuse box, but as he struggles to bring the power back on, the ghost of a 70s academic... <laughs> Richard Iowade. Bar- oh, right, okay, okay. <laughs> I figured it'd be him or Julian Barrett, one of the two he's in, yeah. Surrounded by crackling green electricity emerges from it, causing shocks to arc out around Dom. He attempts to flee as the ghost zaps from place to place. 
like that bit in Gremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually shocking Dom and causing him to drop to the ground unconscious. In the bathroom, Matilda waits until the clattering of objects outside stops and attempts to leave. But a ghost resembling a drowned woman, Gina McKee, in a Regency dress, attempts to pull her back into the bathtub. Matilda eventually escapes and discovers her mother and Ruby. The trio discover that the house has been magically sealed and they cannot leave, and are attacked by a badly burned man in a 1930s football uniform. That's a stunt guy. Okay. He's oh, going to okay. be like the top half of him is going to be like burnt beyond recognition. Right. Yep. So actor doesn't matter. Uh, let's say it's Terry Notary. Oh, right. Because he was Because he was in uh, Attack the Block. Oh, and he does a lot of uh, performance capture stuff. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Whatever. What? How dare No, I? he's going to be doing motion capture for the puppet. Oh, ah, there we go. Love it. There we it. go. Uh, so yes, a badly burned man in a 1930s football uniform who causes the walls to burst into green flame. The three women retreat back to the library, which Ruby tells them is protected with spells and should be safe. Mm. Don't trust the medium. Sarang and Rodolfo encounter the poltergeist that attacked Matilda earlier, with the goggles revealing it to be a cavalier and a roundhead locked in combat. Oh, I like that. Uh, that is uh, Julian Barrett and Mark Heap. Nice. That makes a lot of sense considering Civil War stuff yep. uh, in uh, Field in England. Just for those who know, Cavalism Roundheads are the two opposing sides in the English Civil War. From Correct. The Correct. 1600s. Yep. 1700s. 1600, I think. Yep. Yeah, mid 1600s. With Rodolfo's help, Sarang managed to touch the pair and restore them back to sanity. Although still antagonistic towards each other, the pair helpfully explained that several of the ghosts have taken refuge in the attic. However, neither has seen. Julieta. In the basement, the ventriloquist dummy, possibly Terry Notary, <laughs> confirmed, en- encounters the two lawyers, but Mr. Benjamin intimidates the ghost into leaving them alone, while Mr. Rush tightens ropes around Dom, explaining that he's going to help them get through the door. Sarang and Rudolfo reach the attic, where they encounter and quickly restore Achuelan. That's uh, Tony Way. Yeah, I was trying to remember if it's Aquelan or Aquelan. I, I put a Welsh accent on it for some reason. I don't know it's why. A, yeah, I mean, it's a Saxon name, so... Ah, uh, could be then, okay. Well, yeah. Aquelan. A Saxon warrior whose limbs keep falling off. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he's like been injured in combat and so yeah. his like, arms oh, like dropping off and nice. stuff like that. Hillary. Uh, that's Adam Buxton. A hypochondriac plague victim. Yeah, oh, that's, that makes that's sense. That's really good. Yep. And the oldest ghost in the house, who is so old, they have faded away into a simple blur of light. <laughs> And who others call bedsheet. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that. The assembled ghosts then point Sarang towards the newest ghost, Plutarch Kazantzakis, ah. played by Bill Nye. Hey, ah, there we go. Not the science guy. That's Bill Nye from Yes, Shaun of the Dead, Pirates of the Caribbean, etc. Underworld, et Underworld. Yes, previously <laughs> featured. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> go listen to the Underworld episode. Check your sequel. Because I make history. that reference about a thousand times. <laughs> it's <Yep>. true. <laughs> a shimmering red phantom, Plutarch explains to Sarang that he was a ghost hunter and occultist and was attempting to complete his masterwork. A vortex that would allow people to freely pass back and forth between the material and spectral realms. Like an eye to hell. That's, that's, that's some super happy kill time shit. Yeah. <laughs> However, the spell went wrong, killing him and freeing the ghosts, as well as corrupting their spirits. 
Pointing to the notebook that Sarang is carrying, he tells him that he can complete the spell and stabilise the vortex. While this is happening, Ruby convinces Hera and Matilda to attempt a seance, reasoning that if they can discover the root of the haunting in the house, they can put the spirits to rest and escape. As Ruby leads the seance, Plutarch begins to explain to Sarang how to finish the spell, only to be yanked through the house and to the seance ritual, where his spirit is sucked into Matilda. Greeting Ruby and his niece-in-law, he looks down at his body and states, This'll do fine. In the basement, Rush and Benjamin are able to use Dom's handprint to open up the door and venture into Plutarch's sanctum. Uh-huh. Um, expecting cash or gold, they are disappointed to find the multicoloured vortex of light, a dozen strange-looking glass cells, and a few musty old books. That's very Casper. Um, mm. And then since like, oh, it's not uh, treasure, it's something else. Insisting that there must be something of worth, the pair bust open several of the side doors, discovering only supply cupboards and a small bathroom. Opening a final door, the pair are greeted by a ghost. Oh, fuck you, Tim. A ghostly green lion. What a reference. Uh, Which roars and lunges towards them. The pair attempt to flee, but are pulled back into the room as the door slams shut. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the lion being there at all. That's fine. I just meant fuck you because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I've seen the 1960 because, original. You know. Yeah. So is Cornish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why that's here and fuck him too. Yeah. yeah. With Matilda slash Plutarch leading the way, the three women head down into the basement, finding the injured and groggy but still alive Dom. Ruby pleads with Plutarch to reconsider, telling him that there is a veil between worlds for a reason. However, Plutarch dismisses her concerns and locks the door towards the sanctum behind him. He begins to fiddle with the various bits of eldritch machinery surrounding the vortex, preparing to complete the spell, when Sarang emerges from behind one of the cells, asking his sister what she's doing. Plutarch explains that he's just borrowing Matilda's body for a few minutes, and that once he's finished, he'll be able to return properly. Continuing to activate his devices, the cell doors surrounding the vortex hiss open, and energy begins to charge through them. The ghosts throughout the house are pulled to the sanctum, returning to the cells which slam shut, trapping the spirits within, brackets Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that, that film exists, doesn't it, I guess? Ali Baldwin, isn't it? Steve Buscemi? In a way, yes. As Sarang approaches his sister, Rodolfo and a number of the other ghosts bang on the glass, begging to be freed. Sarang asks Plutarch why he needed to capture the ghosts, and Plutarch replies that sacrifices are necessary to make progress. Sarang tells Plutarch that he doesn't want Rudolfo to be sent away, and that Plutarch should just fix what he did. Plutarch snaps at Sarang, telling the boy that he has no idea what he's sacrificed over the years in order. I, I can I can hear Bill like yeah. Bill Nice. You have no idea what I've sacrificed mm. over the years in order to accrue this power and prepare for this moment. As Plutarch looms over Sarang, Matilda begins to fight back, resisting Plutarch's control. Sarang grabs hold of his sister's hands, and the gloves glow and spark, forcing Plutarch's ghosts out of Matilda. Sarang shakes the now-on-fire gloves off of his hands and runs over to the console that Plutarch has been using to control the vortex. As he consults the notebook and attempts to fix the spell, Plutarch manifests once again, telekinetically hurling objects around the room and shouting at Sarang to stop meddling. Before he can complete the spell, Sarang is thrown away from the console, hitting the wall and knocking the goggles loose. He scrambles for them and brings them back up to his eyes seeing the Phantom of Plutarch standing over him, crackling with power, before Matilda, wearing the still-aflame gloves, 
pulls Plutarch around and knocks him out with a punch. Nice. Sarang races back over to the console and completes the spell, closing the vortex and cleansing the remaining ghosts. He and Matilda hug, Matilda telling him how brave he's been as the ghost cells open up and the spirits emerge, brackets Final Fantasy, (laughs) floating up towards the ceiling. They thank Sarang and Matilda as they begin to disappear in a flash of light, until only Rodolfo and the fucking lion remain. They float back down to the ground and Rodolfo introduces Sarang to Julieta, the lion from the circus where he worked. Fucking hell. He's a lion fucker. (laughs) (laughs) A few days later, the family, along with Ruby, is once again eating dinner in the kitchen. As Dom, Hera, and Matilda discuss their plans for renovating the house, Sarang once again puts on the goggles to see Rudolfo also sat at the table. He takes a pork chop off the table and tosses it to Julieta under the table, who noisily chews on it, nom, 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 nom. Uh, causing the table to wobbly float, wobbly, wobbly, wobbly float into the air. Tim, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Without the existence of the 2001, because we obviously scrub it from existence, this film being released and someone saying, yeah, there's an old 1960s film, you absolutely get away with this. 100%. If you did it as, oh, we did the remake and we've redone it with that as well, people would say, no. (laughs) But we haven't, and therefore it works. Um, There is nothing I can say about the cast, because you could jostle, I'm sure you did this yourself, you could jostle in tons of British TV people from fucking smack the pony and space and every other fucking thing under the sun and go yeah it makes sense we're gonna put matt lucas in it we're putting like fucking um you know noel fielding in here mm. we're gonna put other tons of people we're gonna put vic reeves in here it all works because the key parts being like florence Pugh and uh taron Egerton and bill Nye, they, 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 they and, and damien lewis it all fits it all makes sense i have a really weird comment in that it's not a criticism okay. but i need to get it out of my system go for it so i like it my frustration is Casper, the, the, the 2003 and the pending Haunted Mansion movie, um, even to a degree, uh, The Woman in Black, this haunted house story thing is always so constricted that they always feel like they're kind of the same. They all blur into each other because eventually, and it's the nature of being a remake, right? You know, you have the beats, you try to get the whole treasure in the basement it's so much it becomes cliche and i think you haven't stepped too far away from that like oh i'm going to do my own thing to completely reinvent it which is not necessarily a bad thing because i can't again case in point i mentioned casper right we mentioned casper a lot i like casper but casper does nothing new in that scenario it's the exact same story it's all down to the execution and that's what i'm trying to get to here i think as i said in the first half Picking your lane was the most important part. And, and I, weirdly enough, just because that Haunted Mansion, Mouse? Haunted Mansion film looked like it's coming out with, um, you know, Lakeith Stanfield and, and Owen Wilson and stuff, it looks surprisingly fucking dark. Like, quite scary at times. Because um, it's been done with a semi-realistic tone and things. And I think coming out of 2017, sorry, considering 2016, you've got Ghostbusters answer the oh, call. Oh, Yeah which is a very colourful, very comedy-driven thing, I think people will say, this is a more in-tone British thing that has the haunted mansion, haunted house sort of vibe. It's got scares in the right places, but it's not completely oppressive. It's the whole, like, it's, I imagine it's going to be whole, this is a PG. No, it ain't. It's a PG-13 uh, or a 12A. Um, 
and even like the the house with a clock and its walls kind of thing it's that mm. kind of vibe yeah i mean i'm definitely going for this is a kid-friendly film yeah. like you don't yeah you know there's there's no like gore yeah electricity and dust and smoke and colors is what i'm getting from this. yeah yeah but also you can still do Spooky scares and, yeah. and stuff like that oh, absolutely and, you just hold back a bit yeah the thing I'm kind of conscious of, and this is again my lack of knowledge of uh, Josh Sanger, Sarang is basically the main character. He feels mm. like he gets the most screen time. Mm. Again, my my ignorance to his work in the dumping ground and stuff. Does he have the kind of screen presence to carry the film? He feels like he has significantly more screen time than basically everyone else until kind of Matilda obviously gets pulled in and is kind of the central uh faux antagonist through the possession kind of thing but like i'm i'm struggling to see him again not being familiar with his work really kind of driving and pulling the film mm. through i mean i said like oh i almost kind of just said child actor for this and i think this would be kind of the case a bit like joe cornish did with attack the block that's the key part him it's the, gonna yeah. be Possibly a long casting process of finding the right, the right kid, the right kid for yeah. this part who can actually maintain this film and is a decent child actor. From the little bits that I've seen of Josh saying and stuff, like he's good, he's got chops, um, and the character that he plays in the dumping ground is, uh, there's kind of uh, he can be read as autistic, which I kind of I wanted. was going to say it was that that coding, uh, of, yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, Sarang to be kind of coded as as yeah, potentially yeah. autistic or on the on the autism spectrum, um, and so I think he's got at least chops in in that regard. I do agree that obviously anytime you put a kid actor at the centre of a thing, it's tricky. But yeah. I think that having seen Joe Cornish like take young actors and find good young actors in Attack the Block, and I think he did a decent job with kid who would be king as well um mm. uh i it's more about trusting him as a director than necessarily yeah. being like this young kid is going to be like the future of cinema um like i said you could swap him out for someone else yeah um i mean he did win like a royal television society award yes which my friend adam has um and and tom martin former sequel i mm. um so it, he he ha absolutely has been recognised yeah. for his his abilities. Yeah. So I think, and again, just to just to give Tim a bit of a sort of like, no, Tim's right, and also Jack is sort of like because you haven't seen the kid and work. I I can see the kid carrying the film. Personally. Interesting, interesting. But it's one of those things where if you haven't seen the performance and you've only got one thing to go off, you're like, are they going to be able to do it? It's like yeah, fucking easily. Yeah. I, and again, and like, and like Joe I, Cornish yeah. takes a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And like I say, if you know, I I I'm completely open to this being like no we're just gonna find the right like yeah. finding finding uh like a young i was i was kind of originally looking for like uh anglo-indian actors uh and, and the other thing was i was also open to that role being of any gender sure like i hadn't decided when i started looking for actors who would fit in it whether it would be a boy or a girl basically um and he was the actor that i came across that was, mm. i was like oh this this works in terms of like age range in terms of 
being an actor around that period. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's open and it's, you know, there's potential there, but there, you know, it's quite a small pool of like actors that I'm aiming for who yeah. aren't, you know, they're, they're still only, you know, 17 in current day. So, mm. you know, they're, they're sort of finding their way. They're finding their way. And most of them haven't been in a lot of stuff and et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it was a small pool to pick from, but if you've got a casting agency behind you that mm. is, can go out and search for these people and check drama schools and whatever, mm -hmm. then you potentially can find some other interesting actors who, you know, but I think, you know, the bits that I've seen of his acting, I think he's got charisma and spark and, cool. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I think, I think again, this happens very often with us and talks about the, inter and, and yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a cop out from our point of view, but it is genuinely true. When we say director, we usually say director and they're bringing their team with them. So they're casting <laughs> people, they're cinema, regular cinematographers, yeah. they're usual people they compose with all the Often time. Often like producers and stuff as well to Absolutely, a certain yeah. extent. You yeah. tend to say like, oh, who's doing the music for this? The same person who did the music for the last fucking 10 films they did. Uh, because that's, they have a good working relationship with them. So you know there's going to be a certain quality in regards to that. So when we say, oh, um, I mean, case in point, um, Jack with your fix last week with the, with the Leica production. And like, yeah, these two are known for their uh, ability to do both the stop motion and the voice acting direction. So it's almost you don't question it in a weird way. Yeah. Um, Joe Cornish, I can't again stress this enough. I think at that point, John Boyega had done a bit of theater stuff. Yeah. But this was yeah, his he was first a total film. unknown. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, cool, it's a whole like, yeah, he'll find someone and yeah. they'll be good and it'll make sense. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, fair play. And, and the other thing is, you've got enough veterans surround you know a lot oh, of a lot yeah. of the film is him and taron egerton and i think i the can picture payoff, yeah. egerton being someone who is still young enough that he would like connect with a, a young actor and hopefully like bring out a decent performance from him so back in 2020 when he won a golden globe for uh the role of elton john in mm. rocket man uh, i think he was giving credit to roman griffith davis who played jojo and jojo rabbit oh, i think right, the first yeah. thing he said was like Thank you for the cast. And like, mm. like, Roman, go on, Roman, go on. And it's like, <laughs> it's that acknowledgement. And the kid's like smiling. Like, he yeah. has that affable nature and connection. Mm. So not even an agency. I think it's just a temperament thing. Yeah. And he realized, I think it's the whole like, yeah, DiCaprio, Daniel Craig and Eddie Murphy are up for this as well. But that little boy might be crying. Yeah. I need to talk to him and say he's done really good. That level of shit, you know, on screen is going to yeah. sell really well. I, I, I do get it. I, I can see where you're going with that. Mm. But I, I, Totally get the concern, Jack, because yeah, it's a, it's a lot of a film to put on a young actor who's yeah just above an unknown. Yeah, I think Cornish is the key. You're totally right mm. there. Bringing, especially like unknown British actors out of nowhere, and now John Boyega going on to have yeah. the career he's had over the last twelve years since mm. then. I think that would like this could be the vehicle that then launches Sanger's career. Mm. To the rest of so what I understand he's basically not done much and he's mostly doing like stage and theatre stuff from, these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe and again, he's still only seventeen or something. Only so, yeah, it is pandemic hit. Well, that too. Yeah, it's mad. Um, yeah, I can imagine him kind of going on and doing more mm. film and screen stuff, or maybe he will. You know, yeah. like you said, he's only seventeen now. So yeah. yeah. Outside of that, um, 
as I say, it's it's a really hard one because the the only negatives I can think of are really broad genre ones mm. where um, too many British people. <laughs> yeah, too many dirty, filthy English. No, no. Um, and, and again, careful, I, Matt. Your Irish is showing. Oh, singing, as singing, always, let's, let's put that away. Tuck, um, tuck that away, please. <laughs> but it's more the sense that like the things that irritate me is the idea. It's it's, it's almost like I'm unwriting my own argument where I'm like, it's a bit generic. It's like, yeah, well, what kids have seen of this story yet? What, mm. What's their comparative example? What's the one that you're like, I've seen this 50 times before. Where? Um, to, to put it into perspective, coming out in 2017 as well, we referenced Casper a few times. This would be the, this generation's Casper, right? This Probably, would be yeah. This generation's fucking Jack Black Goosebumps starring what? Pinhead. <laughs> Absolutely, Goosebumps, yeah. Um, but that's the point. It's actually yeah, a good point because it's obviously being very British as well. Yeah. I think it's going to have that cult sort of hit. I, th- I imagine the effects are going to be subtly good because Cornish <laughs> um, did a lot of practical effects with yeah. the Attack the Block stuff and, and really clever, subtle stuff. Yeah, the Attack the Block. We've talked about their aliens on a monster design yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, we yeah, did yeah. before. You brought them up, Tim. Like, the way they do so much with such a small budget on Attack the Block is pretty spectacular. I think you're totally right, Matt, that Cornish will be able to translate that and make it really work for the screen with a limited budget, with a bunch of essentially like British TV actors and Adam Buxton will do it for his mate and all that kind of stuff. Like you could do this fairly low budget and Cornish is brilliant at taking a low budget and making it look way more expensive and kind of like, yeah, making making things work better. And I think that adds a bit of British charm to it as well. Like yeah. all the things we've referenced, all the like the lower budget TV stuff we've we've talked about from all these various actors. Most of that stuff is pretty low budget, but mm. British TV always has this kind of practicality and vibe to it a lot mm. of the time because budgets are so low. And oh we're shooting in a like the opening line is like uh, a big country house. That's like mm. Yeah, there's a million of those fucking things in England. <laughs> Just take your pick, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think also what this other thing might do as well is plug, and it's a weird thing to say, plug a Harry Potter-shaped gap where it's Gross. like, I know that's not magic and they're not the same mm. as ghosts, but it's like, it's that sense of like... Magical kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. kid adventure, and mm. it's very, t- not talking down to an audience, but it's approachable. Mm. And that's why you, you, I, I could hear probably, no doubt, a bunch of the listeners thinking... What about Edgar Wright? What about um, uh, I? I did consider Edgar oh, Wright. Oh, I, I don't think Edgar Wright had a choice at all. I'm yeah, between yeah. The, the people you can you could throw at this and say, "What about them? What about them?" Yeah. I had a bunch of other names. This would be grumpy post Ant Man Edgar Wright. <laughs> well, a, yeah, make a really spiteful <laughs> baby driver. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I was looking at because I was baby driver. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it and I was like, I'm not super keen on baby driver. I could just sacrifice it and have him make this instead. Which controversial would he add to the film? Yeah, I yeah. think it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I think there, is, there are a lot of names you could attach mm. and they'd all be like, yeah, sure. Mm. Uh, again, for some reason, a lot of them go, I mean, to be fair, even Andy Serkis could do a good job with it all. Mm. Um, yeah, Serkis is an interesting shout. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people... He's, he's who, got a hit and miss directorial career. <laughs> yeah. Who you can make work, in, but the film would end up a little different every single time. Mm. So, for example, Ian Softley, speaking of hackers, mm-hmm. um, with the whole in-cart sort of style of things. Mm. I think he... Ha- there's so many examples like, oh yeah, British directors who could do this kind of thing. Mm. And you're like, yeah, there are. Do you want to put them in there? No, <laughs> not really. I think they all would bring a very different vibe each time to mm. it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the thing that I that, that, that really nailed, that, that secured Cornish for me was 
like special effects on a budget, working with young actors. Um, he's done like family friendly films. He knows how yeah. to nail that tone. Like Attack the Block has some scary moments in it, but it's also like relatively mm-hmm. kind of family friendly. Yeah. You know, it's 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 it runs that kind of almost Spielberg Stranger Things kind yeah. of line. Yeah. Um, and Stranger Things is definitely the vibe. Like that's the appropriate for teenagers. Mm. Adults can enjoy it as well. Yeah. The the kids feel like kids. The adults feel like adults. Like, yeah. The special effects are there and they work, but it's not crazy high budget. But you get yeah. some standout performances from people mm. you've never fucking heard of. That's a, I think it's a really yeah. interesting comparison, yeah. especially in 2017. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be a little bit funnier than Stranger. I I, I would want it oh, to you'd be have to both... pitch to more to the humorous interactions. Yeah. yeah, a um, lot more British. A lot, yeah, that uh, just have that British like sense sense of humor shot through the entire thing yeah um and yeah i mean we talked we briefly mentioned ghosts the british tv series i I got like halfway through writing my pitch and i was like oh i'm kind of just writing ghosts when does that come out oh okay i'm fine yeah uh, i'm not <laughs> the treading Americans on the toes just got it, haven't they? there is an american remake yeah, now yeah. Yeah, yeah um uh but yeah and you know like we mentioned stardust like i equally yeah. i was thinking of like oh matthew vaughan fucking of course yeah, yeah. Doesn't know what that um, is, yeah and I, I, I was thinking about like, oh, you know, lots of ghosts and all killed in different ways. And my brain went to Stardust and the brothers in that. Adam Buxton. Adam Buxton them, yeah. and uh, 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 Mark Heap. And, Everett and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pulling from a lot of things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, there's, there's... There are examples of it working in different yeah. genres almost. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's a, here's a sci-fi version. Here's mm. a high fantasy version. Like, oh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. And again, like with Stardust, for example, it's like, yeah... It's all very Gaiman. <laughs> Neil Gaiman-y as it does fuck. does feel Gaiman-y, yeah. Mm. It, ah, Amazon's Good Omens, that kind of vibe, mm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. That kind of visual where it's like, mm. this is kind of for kids, but adults are watching it and shipping characters mm. and shit. Cool. Tim, I like it. I think it's good. I think the trappings of the fact that you've made a haunted house thing and got a very sort of, you know, a, a nod to a 60s thing no one's going to get, but it works. Um, I think a lot of the choices are very inspired. And so overall, very solid. So there are things I would definitely tweak and change, but they wouldn't improve it. They'd just be tweaks and changes for the sake of it. It's, 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 it's a producer's note to make sure what's called. In the animation industry, we call this a red boat. You put a red boat in there so that the producer could say, hmm, that red boat's kind of catch my eyes. We can take that out if you like. <laughs> like. Yeah, we'll take it out. It's like, good. Yeah, yeah you don't see all the other stuff I've put in here. Um, and for the people counting at home, the ventriloquist and the dummy count as two ghosts. Ah, uh, okay, there's 13. That's okay, fine. Good. Terry Notary. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been racking my brains trying to think of a potential other British director active around this sort of time. Uh-huh. They're a bunch of miserable bastards. <laughs> it's all just mopey British stuff that is very adult and very, like, not, get- not kid-friendly. And I Ken think- Loach. Or, or like... Um- yes. Lynn Ramsey, Ken Loach, Shane Meadows, who and did stuff who like... did Thor: The Dark World? Fucking Alan Taylor. Alan, Alan Taylor. Taylor, just like oh yeah, all Boring. these people, all these people Jesus. who are making episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. uninspired bullshit or like Neil Marshall, br- brilliant but miserable British suffering. Uh-huh. I don't. I honestly, I've hunted through, racking my brains, racking Google's brains, if that's a thing you can do, to find anyone that could nail this tone. 
tarnishes your man. Like mm. I, I couldn't think of anyone else Kenneth that would. Branner. Fuck off, Matthew. <laughs> no, he'd want to play the boy. Yes. He would. <laughs> no, he would be the the old man. He would be. Of course, he would. He would need to resist himself. Sure, also, yeah. Yeah, 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 with a big silly mustache and bollocks and stupid uh, action. Yes. But yeah, Joe Cornish is the. We say this so often, right? Like you mentioned, my Clash of the Titans one. Yeah. The, the the fact that it hinges on a particular style or studio or director or central performance, whatever it is, Cornish is the key to this. Cornish is the key to the whole thing. And I think if you pick almost anyone else and release it in 2017 and make with this cast, I think it goes in a very different direction. And I think, yeah, you've absolutely nailed it there, Tim, with that, with that tone of quirky, whimsical Britishness, as you mm. said, 12A, PG-13 kind yeah. of vibes, Matt. I think this is... That's the way to do it for sure. And it feels somehow very at home in British cinema in the 2010s and wholly original, despite being a remake of a 1960 thing. <laughs> from America. <laughs> from America, yeah. And as you said, Matt, it's a thing from the 60s that most people probably don't fucking know. Yeah. So it's like a 13 ghosts. Okay, sure, whatever. Like, I mm. don't know. Is that, a, is that a, Does that matter? Is that a reference to something? It's not like a big, oh, you're remaking Psycho or yeah. some big, like, yeah. you know, influential horror 60s it, thing. This is like. a film of a BBC production. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff, Tim. Yep. It's secretly a Rent a Ghost sequel. <laughs> Good Lord. Rent and keep a ghost. No, thank you. So let us know what you thought, audience. What do you think of Tim's pitch? What do you think of 13 Ghosts and 13 13 Ghosts? from 1960 and 2001, respectively. Let us know. You can come and join us on Discord. Go to sequelizers.com. Click the little invite button on the Discord page. You'll get in there. There's almost 230 people in our Discord currently. You'll recognize some names of the EPs. The three of us are in there as well. I know somebody joined recently and was like, oh, God, oh, the Sequelizers, hello. You replied to my comment. Like, yep, we did say we would. We're there. It's an active community. Hello. No goggles needed. No goggles required to join, although they're welcome to join the discord like i said follow us give us feedback all that kind of stuff on social media please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice as well whether you're listening on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify all that kind of stuff we would appreciate you leaving a review on there as well that helps spread the word and get sequelizers out there as well if you want to follow me i am jlw chambers on all the social media stuff matthew how can they follow you on the internet Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on all the social media. So you can go to theredrighthand.co.uk to read my film reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. You can also search for Sumo Drop Pod on Twitter to find out about the sumo wrestling podcast that I also do. Tim, if you had a vault of ghostly things, thoughts, images, um, ideas, where would it be housed? Maybe in two separate places? <laughs> Uh, the, the listeners did not see Matt's eyes swivel from side to side like he was a fucking eagle eye uh, G.I. Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but yes, you can follow me, uh, my Vault of Ghostly Secrets on Twitter, uh, trivia underscore lad, and my Vault of Cinematic Secrets uh, on Letterboxd, also trivia underscore lad. Um, trying, trying to be more active. Uh, on there, by which I mean, I actually saw some films recently that, could, that weren't sequelizer related. Um, <laughs> did you leave a Spider Man thought on there? I did. I left a very brief Spider Man thought, mm. and I left uh, longer thoughts about Bodies, 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 which I also yeah. watched recently. I like that film. Um, but yes, nice. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with something 
quite different. It's a me fix. It is. It's we're, a me we fix. Have, we haven't had a Matt mm. fix in a little while, it feels like. We had a couple of Tims, had a couple of Jacks. I've been laying some groundwork in this episode. Mm. You did a lot of early requalizing, and I'll come back round to you. Mm. No, I, yeah, I mean, I have, but I've been laying some groundwork in this episode, because oh, my oh. one is also hinging on, look, this is the director, <laughs> everything falls into place. If you don't yeah. like it, fuck off. There you go. Mm. There's a little Te- tease that doesn't, teaser, yeah, also, doesn't give anything away. Uh, features a thing that's definitely powered by ghosts. Yeah. <sighs> sure. It's evil. <laughs> and it's a Patreon pick. Oh, God, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, I forgot it was that one. Yeah, Patreon pick. God. Yep. Thank you, VIPs, for this coming upcoming piece of shit we need to talk about next week. But until then... Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week. I'm in your pants. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.